Welcome to Superhero Stuff You Should Know, and we have a wild card ep for you guys here today. And we also Indeed. got a wild card co-host, guest host. He's <laughs> back from the past. It's Stefan Santa Cruz. I just arrived from 1984. <laughs> <laughs> He's back. If you go back in the archive, Stefan was a uh, was a co-host of the show for a while, and he's going to guest on this one, and I'll tell you why in a minute. But also, Captain Ben is I'm here. Indeed, Captain Ben, our powers combined. <laughs> Indeed. So wait, can I can I change my name to the Stefateer? Sure, go ahead, man. No problem. <laughs> so uh, you saw in the thumbnail uh, already, we're doing a Captain Planet movie pitch. Why Captain Planet? <laughs> you know, this is definitely kind of a, a wild card here, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. So I randomly texted Stefan March of 2021. <laughs> I, I copied and pasted this. Totally random. <laughs> but remember Gaia from Captain Planet? <laughs> and then I pick, texted a picture of her. And then he said, yeah, she a bad bitch. <laughs> so this is true. then Quite. Stefan and I started throwing around movie ideas for Captain Planet because it just seems like one of those ideas that's like, you know, it could really like, you know, you put some little spice into it and there could be really something there for a movie, you know? And 90s nostalgia and everything like that is definitely a thing these days. So there's that, you know? And let me get these slides going here, guys. So uh, this is uh, one of our thumbnails for it. And uh, so... Yeah, and this, we're actually kind of relevant here as well, because one of the other things uh, about this is that this project is currently in development. Variety Magazine has this article here saying that Glenn Powell says the Captain Planet movie isn't dead, and uh, the producer, Leonardo DiCaprio, is, quote, super passionate about it, end quote. There's also a Screen Rant article. This is from actually 2018. So take that with a grain of salt, of course. But they said that the script is dark and irreverent. Which <laughs> I don't know. I about don't that. love. Yeah, I don't love, and that's it's one of the things reboot. I want. Yeah, it's one of the things I kind of want to, uh, you know, the direction of our pitch isn't that, as you'll see. Uh, so. We'll get into it in a minute. Seems like they want to do the whole like funny or die thing where I don't know if you saw yeah. the spoof where it's Don Cheadle and he's like, he basically is like, I'm Captain Planet and he just starts killing everybody. And I'm like, I feel like they probably saw that and like, oh yeah, that's what we could do. It Just play it off as a dark joke like that. Like that's what it sounds like if the screen rant thing is correct. Yeah, it's also like what, man, my math sucks these days, but it was years ago. It was 2018 and mm-hmm. uh, what is that? Five, five years ago? I think ago? I need for it to be reverent not irreverent that's the thing too you have a message that is all about saving the planet and you can't be irreverent about it you're gonna get andy samberg for this shit or something yeah i don't he's gonna fart his way into the sky or something you could go slightly darker maybe because it's live action i think we actually came up with the best possible version of this property so we'll see we will definitely see about that um, so yeah, I wanted to send a message out. I wanted this episode to first be for our listeners, of course, but also I'm talking to you, Glenn Powell and Leonardo DiCaprio and Jono Matt. You, you guys are the main ones attached to this. It's also in your IMDBs. So 
Hopefully, this episode makes it to you guys. So, Hope let's so, get absolutely. started. All right? If we have DiCaprio watching superhero stuff, you should know. <laughs> Already. I want to hang out. It's one of his favorite podcasts. <laughs> if somebody I want to go to one of his Di- yacht orgies. If somebody in Leonardo DiCaprio's uh, representation sees this, or somebody that he knows, one of his friends, or uh, Glenn Powell or Jono Matt, anybody in that sphere, pass it along to them, please. Uh, so I'll even PA. Maybe, yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we're, ben and I are also based in Los Angeles, so there's that. But anyway, let's get with the script, all right? So... Uh, ours, this is the setup, and uh, yeah, Steph and I came up with the, with this. So, ours is going to take place in the future, kind of the not so distant future of 2050, somewhere around there. You have here written a, like a techno dystopian uh, wasteland future. I feel like in this world, there's. I would still... say you know that the just Go the ahead. speculative nature of like like hyper commerce and you know hyper capitalism and hyper you name it technology and stuff like that just a lot of things cluttering and overlapping one another and you know like there's we have how many devices we can see somebody having glasses a watch and a fucking phone or something i mean it's probably more in the future than phones but you know just this overabundance of tech and waste and just a disregard for the state of the world in a lot of ways mm-hmm. uh, for most people it's like halfway between I would say it's like kind Chappy. of halfway between now <laughs> and the Matrix. <laughs> Think the the real mm-hmm. world in the Matrix yeah. is like at a hundred percent techno dystopian. This is like ramping up to fifty percent that. So um, mm-hmm. nature's definitely taken a toll, or taken taken a lot of damage, right? Even so, the real world in the Matrix, you can see the the Earth has pretty much gone to shit in terms of the environment, you know, and, and the way right, that the right, sky right. looks. Right. Yeah. Right. Hundred yeah. percent. Um. And also in our script, Mati is the main character, okay? He's the heart of the planet, and he's going to inherit this grand purpose in the script, as you'll see. Or in, not the script, but our story beats. Um, and we also had the idea, and I don't know how we'd have to handle this politically, or maybe we have to take it out, but he, we had the idea, maybe he's from an un, a previously uncontacted tribe. And uh, Yeah, I just... I like the idea that there is some moment in the near future where that kind of becomes inevitable, you know, like the Senegalese having to deal with now some type of Sentinel- shipping. What is it? Or not the Sentinelese. Yeah, sorry. Sentinel yeah. Island. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, just or even like tribes deep in the Amazon or something at some inevitable point, you know, they're going to have to sign up to Facebook or some shit <laughs> because... Uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> not specifically that, but just this moment, yeah, where where those tribes kind of become something completely of the past, where they're, you know, the world, the modern world, or this future worldscape has trampled that to a certain degree, or or is assimilating. It's it, probably a better way to. It just fits with our theme because, if it just feels like if he's from someplace in Central and South America that was previously uncontacted, and again. This is in the future too, so like maybe it's some uh, somebody that's or it's a area uh, in Central South America that's kind of currently not contacted, but mm-hmm. maybe will be in the future. But then again, I don't know, Stefan. Like I feel like and maybe well, this is one of those the things, things that we 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 throw 
this part might need to be edited a little well, bit. Well, so we, we addressed this actually. And I think if you forget, um, we had also talked about maybe it's not so much the, the, the moment that this happens, but maybe it's been going on for a couple of years now. And a lot of these people have been kind of assimilated into a modern society. You know, even just looking at Matisse clothes here, you know what I mean? He's probably dresses like this on a day to day, more or less at this juncture. Um, where maybe in his early childhood he was more tribally oriented, if that makes sense. I think we kind of like uh, somewhat, you know, there'd be like um, people like uh, disaster relief and stuff, maybe come help him at a certain point and make little, I don't know how, like Greenpeace and these kind of organizations maybe have little bases on these types of, I mean, I know, I'm just making that up. At, but at, at any rate, something, yeah. At any rate, he's, he's, he's Central South American. And he's uh, from some sort of tribe. We'll have to figure this out sure. later, the specifics of this, just so that the you know the representation is correct, right? So, right, yeah. um, and also we have it written in here, too. We thought it'd be kind of interesting if he actually had a synthetic heart because this, is, again, it's like kind of future tech kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So his, It fits the his, world. It fits the world. That was an earlier idea. Totally of nature. Yeah, yep. that's an interesting idea to play around with some of our themes. It was an earlier idea that there was actually some destabilization that happened in his home area, and maybe he was the victim of some kind of collateral damage from some mercenaries or some whatever you name and it. Also, uh, so I, I think that's where that came from. Yeah, and then, of course, the eco-villains uh, might even have cyborg parts to some degree. In the cartoon itself, they don't really have cyborg parts because the show... This is that's the other well, things. The show set in modern day, so mm -hmm. uh, with ours being a little bit more you. in the future, be a little bit more uh, cyberpunky or something. And it's just again with that theme of like, you know, well, actually, Doctor Blight is so obsessed and so tech obsessed with her projects and stuff. She's done stuff to herself, so a whole half of her face is, I believe, like a technological scarring that she keeps covered. It's some sort um, of scar. So and yeah, I don't yeah. know if that's that could be a cyborg part as well. I didn't think about that. And Something, we have yeah. this kind I mean, of reveal yeah. in the script that we're gonna that we'll get to, but I know it yeah, we, that could maybe be a cyborg part mm -hmm. as well. That would be kind of cool. That and you know, fit. some of the eco villains uh, in my mind will have, you know, really colorful kind of representation, you know, semi accurate to the cartoon, maybe kind of subtly nodding towards their abilities and origins but not so much you know it's really central to a few characters but i'd like to think that they're still there okay. you know people like duke nukem and verminous scum Luton plunder hoggish greedy and such right real quick we've uh spent a long time on the setup but just real quick what is everybody's um familiarity here with captain planet i'll go first real quick so my familiarity with this is it wasn't my favorite thing ever but I did watch it every now and again. Um, I remember liking it. I think I even had a couple of the toys. But, um, you know, I did. I, I liked it okay. I thought it was cool. And the, and the ring powers are cool. I think I liked the fire power the most because it was fire. Uh, I liked Wheeler, I <laughs> guess. But, but anyway, uh, Ben? I definitely grew up with it. I don't remember that much about it. I mean, it was definitely something I watched. I think I had a t-shirt um, at some wow. point of it. But yeah, that's 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 about it. 
I guess because he didn't have like a mask that didn't cover his chin. Because that's my thing. Apparently, <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's why I didn't that. stick with it. <laughs> but if only he, he needed, had that, maybe he I needed like a more. cowl on the top of his tree to or his head to be like a tree. Yeah, then I would know more about this character, yeah. Captain <laughs> so, Broccoli. Like, uh, but yeah, it, it's it's a character who I'm surprised they haven't been able to crack yet. Obviously. You know, I think that Glenn Powell is is a great choice. He was great in Top Gun Maverick. Yes, uh, yes. that guy's bound to be a superhero at, at some point, yeah. just based off of that performance. Whether it's Booster Gold or Guy Gardner or, or Captain Planet, oh, like it's, it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, what about for booster? me? Oh, I was saying he would be a great booster. Actually, that's that oh, yeah. would be fantastic. Um, he wouldn't be my pick. First pick, sorry, Glenn. Uh, he wouldn't be my first pick for Captain Planet himself, but I'm, you know, whoever gets the ball rolling, I think that's a massive achievement. Uh, I grew up, I'd say, having pretty well acquainted with the cartoon. I'd say I watched at least the first season through. The first season being the better of the two. The second season's still good, but uh, the first season has a lot of voices. It has Jeff Goldblum, Whoopi Goldberg. Uh, I'm blanking on some names. We'll have to figure that out. But it's got a lot of yeah, good Ed, voice acting. Uh, Ed Asner, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, Ed Asner was he was in everything. Season, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Still, like Goldberg. Grateful, uh, yeah. Goldberg yeah. was replaced by Margot Kidder as well. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, these are huge, huge names for this show. Yeah. Frank Welker did the monkey. What's the monkey's name? I feel like that's uh, a Suchi, important I think. detail. Suchi, all right. Yeah. Suchi, Frank Welker. But um, yeah, I loved it. Great toys. For this line always that's pretty much what my fandom is contingent upon <laughs> all about the toys yeah gaia was voiced Love by Whoopi goldberg which i didn't notice these crazy names when i was a kid mm-hmm. at all but she was also yeah. gynin on star Trek that is the true Next generation oh, that true. is true all right so we finally made it to the script everybody <laughs> the oh well, not the script but the story beats so the treatment. we open up the with treatment. dr blight as pi- as pictured here uh, and her henchmen, which are the eco-villains. They've come for land and resources uh, to a rainforested area uh, somewhere in Central or South America. Uh, part of her face is covered, as you see here, by her hair. And Mati and the other people who would become planeteers are there protesting Dr. Blight. And, um, a lot all of pipeline. Yeah, it's like, kinda... yeah, like a... Stuff. Yeah, like a pipeline kind of thing. Yeah. And so Mati and other people who would become the Planeteers are there protesting Dr. Blight and the eco-villains. Uh, her, and then it's not just those Planeteers or who, the future Planeteers, but it's, you know, it's a whole group of protesters, okay? Yeah. A lot and, of the, the, what was that called? The something pipeline protests? That's kind of what I yeah, was thinking. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I also thought it would be kind of funny if the group that some of them were part of in the world is actually called the Planeteers. Like it's kind of like, you know, Greenpeace or something or some organization. Oh, that would make sense. Vest. Yeah. And then so, you know, That's the ones cool. that stand out by the end, you know, they're truly really what we know as the Planeteers. But in the world, it's like they signed up because they don't want to go to traditional college or some shit. Yeah. Great picture, actually. <laughs> Hell yeah! It's perfect. Oh yeah! Looking, <laughs> Greta's gonna have a cameo in this shit. Gojira's I, I was gonna thinking, be on the soundtrack somewhere. <laughs> I was thinking about Greta having to be in this movie, man. It's, it's gonna be great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I feel like they're they're like really protesting hard, uh, but then of course the machines begin to absolutely rape the land for resources. They yeah. don't stop. They don't do anything. Sludge. 
animals are it, getting it, fucked up. Sorry, yeah, exactly. Funny. No, it's okay. And they also set up pipes connecting to water supplies and things like that. And uh, and then it starts to get dangerous. This is kind of a beginning action scene. It gets dangerous between them and the protesters. And uh, then uh, most of them leave, but the only ones that stay are the ones that are the, that will become the Planeteers, okay? Kwame. So, yeah, Linka. Kwame and Guy and Linka mm-hmm. and, and all of them. Wheeler. So, Wheeler. Yeah, because in the, in the cartoon guy, I just kind of gives them out to everybody, which is fine. But we just want to make yeah. this real simple, real quick, make it easy for Mati to decide, as you'll see. So well, I want to make it um, dramatic as but well, they, oh, compelling, emotional, dramatic. But go ahead, dramatic as well. So, but yeah, <laughs> the protesters lose this protest ultimately, and that basically it seems like all is lost. Mati goes back home and talks with an elder from his village. The elder mentions Gaia kind of in passing, but it does pique his interest. So then. And then, and then I think you wrote this, Stefan. Uh, Mati would have heard tales of Gaia from an elder and believes he is tasked with bringing the rings together. And it plays in with maybe some Mayan cosmology or the local cosmology sure. of the yeah. area. So that was uh, an soul earlier purpose idea. and things like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, so. I think, you know, definitely kind of when we get around to Mati kind of discovering something or discovering Gaia or communing with her or whatever he's I like the idea that he's now he's he'd be tasked with this responsibility rather than it being some kind of prophetic kind of thing but you know something lying in there mm-hmm. oh right oh Dan just found this image I think <laughs> this is a uh, Mati consulting <laughs> nice. with an elder yes. all right I See, didn't know that was there I, See, the most important thing is making the source material believable it doesn't have to be realistic believable mm-hmm. verisimilitude oh yeah so That's a type of pasta and in, in, indeed <laughs> so everyone thinks uh, Mati's full of shit but he does go to seek Gaia by himself uh Ma- Mati's a true believer in this uh and uh, uh can I just add one then thing he finds her Sorry. yeah I do think it's important this may change in later discussion that Mati has the monkey in the movie people like <laughs> okay, animals yeah. and Suchi. i think we would be remiss without him and you've seen those little monkeys like pirates it would be great anyway go ahead sorry people would be asking no. where's the monkey so Where it, it makes sense Suchi. <laughs> Man, hopefully, hopefully i got that name right <laughs> okay so um yeah this is uh, something that we wanted to talk about real quick but uh gaia is i like her being somewhat ethereal and kind of staying ethereal and maybe like that the gaia chamber is kind of in another it's still on Earth, of course, because she is the Earth Force, but it's another dimension t- kind of thing on Earth. You know what I mean? So I guess yeah, that my yeah. question to you guys real quick is how physical and how th- ethereal should Gaia be? Do you guys even have any thoughts on this? Let's go with uh, Ben first. I think there's going to be an expectation for something like this to stay faithful to what's in in the show. So I think that it should be like an actual, it, like it doesn't have to be someone who looks exactly like the cartoon physically, but at least having like the costume, you know, like at least having mm-hmm. having that aspect should be in there. I think it would be disappointing to fans if it was just only like an ethereal disembodied voice for the entire time and you never really got to see uh, her physically. Right. Um, that's kind of my you know, from what little I remember of this character from uh, Captain Planet, but that's kind of what I think, you know, fans would be expecting is at least somebody who shows up in purple. She doesn't have to be, you know, this brunette woman here, but somebody who's at least in the costume, someone who actually shows up. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. 
Uh, Stefan, I would say I would say with the crystal chamber being that it is in the source material, any mm -hmm. filmmaker making this could get a lot of mileage out of that type of magic and that type of room. You know, a lot anything can happen in there. Really, I think it would be kind of cool keeping it somewhat ethereal, as if it is this real spirit of the planet. Um, and that being said, I think it would be cool if we did see some kind of full body materialization, even if it is just near like Force Ghost. However, I thought a cool idea would be that she is, she's, it's like she is and she isn't. She appears to be flesh and blood and whatever, and is kind of an eternal being, or maybe like that knight in the end of The Last Crusade who just survives in this tomb forever or this place. Oh, yeah. That'd something cool. like that, where, you know, if she happened to leave, she probably turned to dust or something. But um, I did think it'd be cool if she was some type of eternal being that existed only in this chamber. So when she talked to the planeteers, like they could come down there and, you know, she could say something like, you know, I'm as real to you as any of you are right now, but outside of the chamber, you know, I can only speak to you and through the rings or something like that. Yeah, I think kind of like a wizard. I could go either way. I would like a little yes, mix of both. Yes. I would love, you know, for me, it's most important that the apparition or the actor look like somewhat close, recognizable to the source material. Make mm -hmm. a really cool costume out of, you know, those simple ingredients that we have there. Right. Yeah, I kind of feel Man, like she she's party. I feel like she is uh, mostly real. I mean, she's definitely like physical in and around perhaps the Gaia chamber. Uh, maybe that room has a name in the show, but we're calling it the Gaia chamber so for right the now. Crystal chamber, crystal chamber, yeah, something like that. And then, but she can show up ethereally to Mati specifically when he has the heart ring on. I think that's the that's idea. Cool. Yeah. Like yeah. Um. So or, that's or come out of my the idea. Ring. But I also like the idea of her being super mysterious, especially at first. Like you mentioned Star Wars stuff, and like mm -hmm. whenever you're in the Gaia chamber, it's like those those like hallucination type scenes that Luke has in the and um, that could be kind of cool. The, the it's, second, a, it's a mystical second, place. Uh, yeah. The second yeah, Empire uh, with last, uh, Obi Wan. Yeah, and and in uh, Episode Eight or whatever, there was one that was yeah. kind of similar when to that. Oh, oh, oh when that. he shows up at that, yeah. Yeah, something like that. Um, but I mean, of like course, I said, Gaia. Yeah, I think... It's kind of mysterious at first, Sorry. but then it gets a little bit less mysterious when she shows up. That's that's my mm -hmm. idea. Go ahead, Stefan. That's what I think. I think you can get a lot of mileage out of this whole crystal chamber. You know, there's psychic energy there, whatever. So when they're away from her, they can be speaking telepathically, which is something that happens in the show. Mm -hmm. And uh, and just, I mean, you could have a lot of fun there and really make that such a magical kind of experience to be in that. I would shoot it in IMAX. <laughs> that chamber the whole movie <laughs> but being okay. in that chamber would just be you know it could be it doesn't have to be massive but it could feel engrossing immersive i think i think also it's uh maybe you're running through you're walking through somewhere in the rainforest in that area and then it's like there's some sort of slip into another dimension also yeah, like cool. it's, it wouldn't show yeah, up on yeah. a map you know, it, sure, would, it sure. would definitely yeah. be somewhat magical and only the only some locals like that elder knows maybe about it. Uh, okay. So, yeah. All right. Like that's, I said, it's like the Rock of Eternity in Shazam. You know, yes, like the, yes, the little yes. area that he's able to access through the subway at that one one point or the portal in the door or, or something like that. That's like very mysterious, portals, baby. that type of thing. I mean, this is a fantasy world. It's a world of magic yeah. and stuff. So, like, we will be accepting of uh, mm -hmm. You know, someone who's a spirit or is in this thing, as long as the rules are consistent, I think it's fine. Hundred percent, man, love it. Um, so yeah, moving on. Great discussion, guys. So, Gaia gives Mati the heart ring and all the other rings. 
okay? But she says that the heart ring is his and that the rings imprint on one person only. Here we deviate from source material, I think, a little bit, um, unless th that's actually in there and we, uh, you know, felt yeah, the force that on that one. Sure, yeah. <laughs> but this is important for our scripts later. Rock solid. So uh, for our beats, rather. We don't have a script. We have beats. So um, Gaia gives him his mission to save the planet as well, of course. Then Mati goes back to the protest camp to give the rings to the other planeteers because, uh, you know, we only have two hours. But also, wow. like, he was he was moved by what they did, what they right. Here's, yeah, he what saw they them did together. Heroes. Yeah, that yes. makes sense. You know, there's an established relationship. There's a connection yeah. there. They were yes. fucking helping people. They were digging people out from other, sawing them off after they chained themselves to tractors and shit, you know, getting people out of there. So he saw heroes, you know. Yeah, and, and also know, he, has a set, he has a set number of rings, and he knows how many people were there, you know, who were left yeah. over from that. So it makes sense. It's like, oh, who are four other people I could share this with who care about the world? Yeah. You know, I think exactly. it's extremely solid and perfectly infallible. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, yeah, this is just like it, it gives uh, it gives Mati agency immediately, and uh, it, he's still kind of the uh, center of this whole thing. So yeah, he gets them from Gaia, and then he hands them out to everybody. So we thought that would be cool. Uh, and yeah, he was moved by their acts in the first in the first act, and maybe he got to know them a little bit more too, more than what we've said here. But joking uh, around, yeah, accents, and just good speaking. Stuff. Speaking of joking around, like they, I want to have in this movie, people making fun of the heart ring because people have always made fun of the heart right. ring. <laughs> when we were kids, we thought it was the lamest thing. Now, and I saw other YouTubers talking about this when I was doing research for this episode. I mean, when yeah. they, now that they're an adult, they see the heart ring totally differently because you can kind of influence people's minds and, and things like that. Like it's really. Mm -hmm. And the Captain Planet wiki also says it's the most powerful ring. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. so, but, the, but yeah. yes, we get a little meta there and we have the other planeteers say, well, your ring seems to do nothing. You know, they kind of, you know, razz him about it or a Wheel little bit. They Wheeler, haze him. Like, yeah, I think Wheeler could really have good moments there, you know, and being just like, oh, fire, so awesome, burning stuff. And it's like, you know, when they get around to heart, you could have some quippy, yes, New York loud thing. <laughs> to say about it <laughs> exactly yeah so at this baby, point all of them. the planeteers they have they all have their rings now okay everybody's got their rings mm -hmm. and what's the first mm -hmm. thing they decide to do infiltrate that base that brings well, us so to in the, the cartoon our script let me just yeah. add there in the cartoon kwame says something right after they get the rings kwame says well i suppose we should get good with them and go practice with them gaia says there is no time there's a uh, threat happening right now we need you to go out there and do something about it so i, I think saw... it would be good to preserve that we only have 20 minutes of this episode let's get no, going. i don't i don't know about that because yeah i mean i i think i i like the idea of the other planeteers not meeting gaia till later and Maybe we can switch that around in a minute, but I have it to where, right. well, you'll see in the third act, well, you, you know, but the, the, the listeners yeah. will, will see here in a second. Well, there's also yeah. a desire as well from a writing standpoint to have your main characters be the ones who are active in the sense that, like, they're the ones who have the goals. They're the ones who push things forward and aren't necessarily, like, yeah, you can have, you know, a boss point to them, like, hey, do this. But it's always more powerful when it comes from their own desire as opposed to what someone else tells yeah. them to do. 
I would still keep that moment. Exactly. Daya doesn't have to be in the room. I would still have Kwame be like, well, we should probably practice with these and be like, there's no time. We got to, or, you know, you know, actually, Wheeler that moment doesn't like have that. to happen. You're absolutely right. You know, just the severe, the urgency of what's already going on is a good clue to why they have to just immediately move forward. Yeah. Plus, I mean, we're now in like, dystopian I, wasteland version of this. So like, yeah. they really don't have time. Yeah. They don't have time. And it's like plus, Wind Up like, Girl by Paolo Baca Galupi. I mean, we just really need them to like, hey, we got the rings. Damn, let's fucking do this shit. You know, let's have them be badasses. Yeah, these are badass eco planeteers, right? So, mm-hmm. well, I think it need, should be. They, they maybe test it out a little bit just to see what, just to you know, yeah. also believe that they can do it. But also, yeah, it's just general testing. But then immediately, uh, they start breaking into this base, this uh, base of operations, right? Set up in and around mm. the rainforested area that they're drilling on into exactly like doing whatever so they're doing in this base there's mechs and all kinds of robotics and things like that and also this is set up in the show too i think there's mechs in the show hoggish got all kinds is, of gadgets it, and futuristic robots yeah yeah so uh they we have it here where they're going to take out some drills this is like the first thing that they're going to do. So they're going to uh, they use their rings and, and take take out these drills in this area. So we area. get a showcase of and these powers. So we get the showcase and the, they're using the rings. And then uh, they take out almost all of them. But then Hoggish Greedly shows up in a mech. Uh, I think I have a slide here for that. Hold on, computer going slow. And I was saying, too, about, like, some of the villains, you know, rather than going... Because even in the cartoon, Hoggish Greedly has this name, but he's kind of mutated. He doesn't have exactly, like, a pig face, but it's like a human-pig hybrid kind of face. Anyway, what I was thinking is, is, you know... This is another thing, though, with the the villains. With these guys especially, I don't know if we... I don't know if we'd use their names or... Like, the names are so... That's what I'm saying. A little bit too much, but, like, definitely, like... Lean I think they the should be recognizable. Yeah, the, he, the guy who we're seeing right now, he should look like what we're seeing on the screen, you know, maybe save mm-hmm. for some of the pig-ishness. Um, we don't have to say his name, but I think the henchmen that turn up in this film should should be recognizable to some of the villains that we've seen in the cartoon. Um, maybe not some of the more colorful ones, because, you know, say if there is a sequel, save some of those or something like that. But, you know, Hoggish Greedly, he's the right-hand man. He fits the the job, you know. He's kind of the the roughnecker, the the rig worker. He's kind of like the guy in Avatar Two, who's the ca- boat captain kind of guy. Oh yeah, if you will. You could also just get that guy to play the role, too. For sure, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think know. there's there's another element where these these are kids who are fighting these people, and so it kind of would make sense if they're the ones who kind of like in order to establish their battle plans or talk about what happened or something like that. They assigned nicknames, you know, like there's the whole like trash talking nickname type of thing is a trope as That's it is. So like Hoggish Greedly could just be what Wheeler nicknames that dude who looked like kind of a pig who they fought you know, on the drill. <laughs> like, it right, makes sense Hoggish that Greedly, <laughs> Captain <laughs> Obvious, I didn't something ask like, you. Some shit some like that. <laughs> they don't have to do that with every character, but like right. it, for ones where it's just like, okay, maybe this makes the most sense as a nickname for that character. Yeah. So that I was thinking it would be, yeah, I was even thinking it would be fun if somebody just said, you're a greedy pig, you know, something like that. Boom. There you go. You're a greedy pig. It's, it's, it's subtle, but it's, it's on the nose and subtle. <laughs> it's something. 
Mm-hmm. I'm the, fuck you. No, something. Something. I'm sensitive. I'm personally. I'm personally not too caught up on the name. I mean, I, I would rather yeah. than not say it at all. I just like, like it just doesn't. To, yeah. It doesn't really I just bother like to me think of too much. The devil's in the details for me. I, I got I to gotta fashion every moment and make sure it, you know, pays fan service without dissuading from the story that needs to be told. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, the best bet is, is what you said, where the visual character is there and people who are fans can recognize and be like, oh, that's Hoggis Greedley. Like, that, yeah. there you go. That's all you need. Definitely. Because he's got right. a fun sidekick, too. So there is a, a bit of a fight scene here as well. They use the we get a real showcase of the rings here as well, and uh, th- they defeat the the mech that he's using, but then it's the area is filled with noxious smoke, and maybe this is the mech's final move or something. I wanted to yeah. have a quick discussion he about this a... too because it kind of feels like they they needed to feed him, but then they. We need like, well, the next step is for uh, our uh, planeteers to all pass out, right? Uh, so I guess mm-hmm. maybe something there's something that debilitates them. Yeah, yeah. Something that debilitates them, but but Mati's the only one who escapes this. By the way, yeah. there's also an element here where like Mati hasn't really known these guys for a long period of time, right? Because he he kind yeah. of sounds like he meets them after that like first act opening and stuff so like they're not naturally going to be that great of a team and working together at this point i know that's right. not i know it's kind yeah. of a trope in terms of like the team has to yeah. become more of a team type of thing but like that's there's a reason why that works is because like it, it's just not really realistic that you and three other strangers are all going to be completely in sync with each other just because you, you have these rings so it's a possibility that the smoke and and all the stuff that happens here is due to partial yeah, like them just not having full control because they just got these rings too and they just started working together. They're not going to be the Avengers. They're not even That's going to be the Avengers point. the first time the Avengers yeah. fought. So. Maybe one of them could yeah. inadvertently like bust open some noxious That's what I was gas processing chemical and, and you know, yeah, exactly. That's, you got that kids is cool. with too that, much power. Dynamic. Yeah. yeah, kids with too much power in an area full of like, you know, noxious stuff in there. Like at one point, like one of them is bound to accidentally do something that's going to cause yeah. that. So maybe the noxious smoke doesn't necessarily come from the villains. It just comes from their fuck up. It just comes well, from yeah. them not knowing think, how to do this. That's a good I point. Think it would, I think it would be very cool if they have Hoggish on the ropes right there and then one of them goes to use the power, maybe hot-headed Wheeler, and mm-hmm. blows up a tank or something like that, and then that happens. So it's just, you know, it's like when you're in a video game and you do that one thing, you know you would have, you do the opposite of what you should have done, and you, but you know you can do it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, does that make sense? Um, <laughs> so it's I think, some, yeah, yeah. It, it would, I think it would be cool. Yeah. They have them on the ropes. They're just about to beat mm-hmm. him, but one, you know, mistake, yeah. uh, you know, there's nice picks. See, yeah, yeah. It, it'll be recognizable without being pandery guys. Mm-hmm. And the noxious smoke too, <laughs> obviously get hit, you know, yeah. is a hint back to pollution and things like that. Can't breathe our own air, shit like Smart. that. Smart right. Guy. So yeah, hell yeah. Way to go. So yeah, it's all, it's kind of all on theme, right? Smog. Yeah. Some smog. Right. So I think she's kind of a babe too. Dr. Blight. Yeah. Uh, we'll we'll <laughs> I would get somebody hot. So, scar. <laughs> so Mati is the only one who escapes and the, the other four uh, planeteers have passed out. Okay. And then Dr. Blight takes th- these four rings. She doesn't know about the other one. 
But she does, she's seen what these kids are doing with these rings. Of course, she wants them. So while they're passed out, she gets all, she gets can all I, the, the rings. Uh-huh. Can I, can I add something? Um, yeah. I think you, we will touch on this later because we came up with this a lot later. But at some point, I think prior to this, there should be an introduction of the character Zarm and her, there being more deeper nefarious We're gonna get actions to that. behind it. I know, but I think, I think they're probably, because why is she taking the rings if we don't know somewhat of her motivation up to this point, but uh, I'll, I'll mm. leave it at that then if you think it'll be more better realized. No, she, end, she, she just saw what these rings can do, so she takes them. Actually, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's enough yeah. already. I th yeah, mm. I mean, that's fair. You never know. I think at some point, you know, I didn't mean to spoil anything f from our own movie, but... Uh, We're going to get to a character named Zarm in a second. I'm kind of assuming yeah. that... Well, some of the people will be hardcore fans, but I assume a lot of the listeners have are like us, where they haven't seen it, this show in 25, 30 years, and forget some of the other characters. So sure, we'll try to sure. try to remind everybody of who's who and what's what. Um, cool. So save that for the last thing. And maybe you know what you bring up a good point though. Maybe she because of the Im the imprinting thing, she tries these rings, of course, and fucking nothing happens, yeah. right? But she still pockets them anyway, and we uh, move on. So. Uh, yeah, she has the rings and she takes the Planeteers with her back to her ship, her air. We had this idea of an air fortress or maybe it's a it's her base of operations, at least in this area. Mm -hmm. OK, she's yeah. more into the, the heart of this, you know, burgeoning. I think it's just the wasteland. command center of this complex, really. At first, yeah. it was like this drop ship that seemed kind of cool, like Avengers, massive hovering fortress kind of thing. But I think just this this blemish on this island is very much could just be this just this monolithic heap yeah well but well, but whatever that's our command center is there it's a base the thing is the thing is in the in original idea it was a it was this air fortress but the thing is we never got to the point where the ship was going to take off so it like didn't matter there, yeah, yeah <laughs> so it would have to take off it'd have to be kind of dramatic takeoff for that to really pay yeah. off so we kind of changed that idea but uh, anyway like jurassic park so Mati here in his time of uh, desperation talks with Gaia and in the image here, he's doing it kind of physically, but our idea is that he does this kind of for the first time using the heart ring. Okay. And, uh, yeah. So, um, then, uh, she tells him to just talk. She tells him, Gaia tells Mati to talk with, the other planeteers and he at this point i feel like he knows he can talk with gaia he doesn't really know what his heart ring can do it hasn't really done much yet right other than talk to gaia mm -hmm. i guess yeah so now we see mati for the first time use his heart ring to talk with the uh they're like mostly passed out but i feel like i'd like to think maybe linka is waking up first or something the wikipedia seemed to seem to say that uh you could talk to anybody conscious so uh yeah, yeah so he he gets in touch with linka and then linka distracts the guards somehow maybe she screams or something uh we could talk about this real quick like is there like so like he's talking with her telepathically what can he get Linka or Kwame to do in the situation? Just like kind of like your standard, you know, distract the guards kind of deal or Right. Or they what? don't have their um, rings at this point. So I think mm -hmm. maybe they're 
you know, it doesn't have to be just the one either. You know, they could have already been woken up, but I guess that doesn't matter. But I think it should be. I mean, go ahead. I think it should be all of them because the fact that if we are, let's say we go with what I originally proposed earlier, where they don't really know how to work together. Mm -hmm. This would be the beat where they have to work together. And yes. they have to work yes. together without yes. the power. So then it wouldn't so, yes. just be Linka. It would be all four of them that are in that cell who then have to figure out, kind of like what we're doing now, okay, how do we do that? How do we distract the guards? What do we do to do that? You know, yeah. like so something person... extremely cool, clever, smart. You ain't never seen it. <laughs> yeah, so, this w- we want to yeah. figure this out in the actual script and not in the beats. But there's, yeah, they figure out how to distract the guards somehow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks to my team helping wake, it, wake them all up. No, <laughs> this is better. Yeah, you, can, you want the monkey. Never mind. Sorry, sorry, I'm obsessed. With <laughs> the monkey. monkey shows up, and saves the day, <laughs> saves the day. So anyway, character. anyway, the guards get distracted, mm-hmm. and this allows Mati to sneak into the base of operations. So thanks to Mati's heart ring powers, Mati is in the ship, or he's in the base of operations. So. Uh, Mati makes him makes his way to the cell in which they're being kept into the base and then we head into act so they meet three. up somewhere central they, you know they've, they, they they get out of the cell I would think. yeah they they meet up somewhere in the cell yeah maybe yeah I guess in you're the right yeah, maybe the yeah. the the planeteers that were in the cell have gotten out by themselves but thanks to Mati as well help uh, mm-hmm with the heart ring, maybe doing some Jedi mind tricks here or something with the, with the heart ring, using it on the other guards too, (laughs) (laughs) you know, every kind of everybody in the base. That'd be kind of, maybe he can affect the guards there too with that. uh, Oh, definitely. Within proximity or something. He uses the hold on one second and they kind of work together telepathically or whatever. Yeah. Cause we've just had, we've just had that like big action scene where Mati didn't really know what he could do. And we just had a big action scene with the with everybody else using you know earth, wind, fire, and water. So this should uh, be all him, right? Like, so this is like his showcase, one of his showcases, yeah. right? So yeah, totally. that was kind of our, our idea for that. But when they all meet here in this section, we're going to be heading into our third act. But it's at this point where we'll take a break. Okay, everybody, we have a new thing that we do here on Superhero Stuff You Should Know. We are going to start every month having a new GoFundMe and or charity that we're going to give a shout out for. And this month, well, tell them about it, Ben. Oh, this month we are debuting this in our episode about Superman 2. And this is completely related because Valerie Perrine from Superman 1 and 2, Miss Eve Tessmacher, uh, has her own GoFundMe. Unfortunately, for the last few years, uh, Ms. Perrine has had to retire from acting because she is fighting Parkinson's disease. If you've been following her on Twitter, she has been auctioning off different memorabilia from her time in the movies in order to raise funds, but she is unfortunately bedbound. She has round-the-clock caregivers, and she has a GoFundMe set up through her friend in order to help her out through that, and I think it is on a lot of us as Superman fans who grew up with these movies, grew up with her as Miss Tessmacher, I think as a thank you, it would be more than appropriate for us to help her out. Yeah, so please, if you can go to her GoFundMe page, it's been uh, linked in the description here as well for everybody. Uh, If you can donate to her, that would be great. Again, she's part of the Superman legacy, 
and uh, let's try to help her out if you can. And also on top of that, we want to also give a shout out to the uh, page where you can donate to the American Parkinson's Disease Association itself. So that will go to support and education and research. So if you want to support them as well, or just them, also fine if you want. So check that out. That will also be linked. We thought that we should not just be into heroes, but also try to take an influence from all these heroes we read about all the time and at least do our part in any way that we can in so far as, you know, helping these kinds of people. So, so yeah, if you can, that'd be great. And thank you very much. Just wanted to announce that I have a new podcast called Gaming Gaiden. It's about Japanese to English translation in this first season. It will be 10 episodes each season. If you saw the ranking, every Superman video game two-parter we did here on Superhero Stuff You Should Know, you have seen Mike before. So yes, if you like video games, if you've been interested in Japanese ever, we're going to be talking a lot about just Japan in general. Japanese cultural differences as well and we also are going to have a lot of talk about 90s video game magazines such as Electronic Gaming Monthly aka EGM so stay tuned for Gaming Gaiden Podcast it's already out now y'all I want to tell you about the Patreon.com Patreon.com slash Superhero Stuff Pod and on that you get the $1 tier uh, you can join the $1 tier, which gets you the shout-out on the board, and either visually or orally, or both, at times. Uh, <laughs> we want to do the oral, uh, for the most part, uh, for newer people. Uh, and then the $5 tier gets you a whole new show. Uh, this show is every Monday, as you well know, and it's free on YouTube and the What's Nots. And... Um, <laughs> The uh, Patreon show is every Friday at the $5 tier mark. You can, if you want, binge us for five mm -hmm. bucks. And uh, it's like 150 episodes, uh, almost 150 at this point. And you can, uh, you know, listen to all that content there. Even the stuff that's been released from the vault, none of that has been the full episode as well. So mm -hmm. <laughs> trying to keep our uh, $5 tier people happy. <laughs> so... Um, mm -hmm. So, but yeah, check that out. And then our $10 tier gets you all of the above. Plus, a uh, it gets you a monthly meetup show where you meet up with us monthly. And it's like a Zoom-like call. And we have a topic at hand or sometimes videos we react to and things like that. And that's at the $10 tier. Um, every tier that you get, like the $5 tier, gets you the $1 tier benefits and the $10 tier gets you the $5 tier benefits and the $1 tier benefits. So mm -hmm. check that out at patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod. We also got the merch, which is Redbubble, superhousepod.redbubble.com and on Threadless, superhero stuff pod.threadless.com. Get your Ben Man and Indeed Wizard mug, shirt, shower curtains and all the rest artwork by Stephen Santa Cruz. And please send us some audio at superhousepodcast at gmail.com. A bumper would be great. You too can be part of the show. I'm Thunderwolf Drew on Instagram and Twitter. Thunderwolf lives as my other YouTube channel, one of my many YouTube channels. And I have uh, also thunderwolfdrew.com. has my whole portfolio in one place except for amanorecon.com. That's A-M-A-N-O-R-E-C-O-N 
Bandcamp.com. And that is uh, an original idea that some friends and I are doing where it is R-rated um, Power Rangers meets Stranger Things. That's the quick pitch. And it is not a fan film, original idea. We have a pitch video right now on YouTube and on the Indiegogo page. We're campaigning right now as of this, uh, when this episode premieres. And this poster art is by ZacharyJacksonBrownArt.com. And check it out. Please support us on the campaign. And more from that soon. Um, but yes, it's uh, it's bloody. And um, if you like that kind of thing, check us out. And that's it, Ben. Follow us on social media on Twitter at Superhouse Pod, Instagram Superhero Stuff Pod, where we have some different supplemental stuff. We even I've even analyzed the martial arts stance that the Keaton ornament from the Flash is in, so you can check that out on our Instagram Superhero Stuff Pod. Uh, TikTok Superhero Stuff Pod, Vero Superhero Stuff Pod. My website is benwanwriter.com where you can read a whole bunch of spec scripts, including Gotham, Vampire, Elementary, The Death of Sherlock Holmes, and Curb Your Enthusiasm, Disneyland. If you're fans of any of those shows, check them out and let us know what you think. My YouTube channel is in the description below, including Doctor Who, The Ronin of Time, an audio drama I write, edit, and narrate with the eighth Doctor, meaning Miyamoto Musashi. My personal Instagram is BenWanRider. If you like cats, my son, Alfie, my cat, is at Alfie Pennyworth Cat. And if you have an Alfie yourself, then you can get the Whisker Box, the only cat box with a crazy cat lady and gent. And you can even check out another page on that website, SuperheroStuffPod.com slash show notes. That includes uh, various show notes for each of our episodes links to the scripts that we review if they're available online amazon links to the stuff we've been talking about including you know brian levant's book that he plugged for us my life and toys so check that out at superherostuffpod.com slash show notes lord have mercy y'all do you like hounds do you enjoy pooches do you find yourself enjoying time spent with that of canines talking about dogs y'all as you might have heard Superhero Stuff You Should Know has now teamed up with BarkBox. For every month, you get a box for your special canine. Pooches! Or hounds. That's right. One free extra month if you go to BarkBox.com slash SuperheroStuffPod. Follow the link and you'll get a free extra month valued at $35 and valid for all multi-length plans. So get the BarkBox for your hound, for your pooch, for your canine. Your doggo will thank you. You boys from the Okefenokee. All right, so we're back. We're starting off our third act here. And uh, we're going to cut to Dr. Blight communing with Zarm in her chamber. This is uh, where we take a bit of a a poetic license as well. Um, In the show, Zarm is this character that's kind of like the anti-Gaia. He's like sometimes ethereal himself, but Mm -hmm. obviously he's the total opposite. Yeah. Uh, he's all about hate and war and pollution and rule, greed and everything. So yeah, he's mm-hmm. kind of like the anti-guy. Republican. <laughs> maybe something like that. But anyway, um, in our, we have an idea of maybe Zarm as a type of super advanced AI. And we can that was your idea. This. That's your idea. <laughs> That you're kind of married on that idea. I'm taking. I would take a more mystical thing. I would have him be like some space entity, spiritual 
entity that um you know is akin to gaia but is you know keeps maintains all that um, i just oppositeness i just think that it's good that he's an ai if it would be we're cool. in a, we're in a techno cool. future and it's like a kind of like a ghost in the shell thing where it really is like kind of like this consciousness that's come come about and of course totally that against nature yeah that yeah and that ai's uh you know, whole thing is like he's his only domain is in the techno world, but he wants to expand his base. So, yeah. and so that's what's that, and that's also what's influencing, um, what's influencing uh, Doctor Blight. And also, we had this idea. Steph and I talked about this off air. Where remember in the Fifth Element, where the guy is on the phone with essentially a Satan or something. Like remember that's real uh, creepy. Yeah, that alien planet. It's a planet that's talking to. Planet, him. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's yeah, why yeah. I would I would lean more toward cosmic, but you know I don't hate the idea of the AI either. I think there's a way to do both, actually. Boom. Like, I think you could do <laughs> the AI. It seems like it's an AI, and some of the hard hardcore Captain Planet yeah. fans are going to flip their shit and be like, "What they did this change? It's like Galactus being a fucking cloud or whatever." But then, <laughs> then it can be like, "Well, the AI was just it's the ghost in the shell type of situation. It's it's the computer housing." something and then yeah. like, even when you destroy the ai zarm is still around because he didn't start with the ai the, the origins yeah. of this ai are mysterious and That's maybe cool. might not have and, even and, been the ai and i think and zarm Blight's could take on a zarm could take on a body form <laughs> as well he could become human sorry but also he's the internet he's everywhere as well in his own way it's mm -hmm. ethereal in that way you know yeah, what i mean so, a lot, so a lot the, of good ideas there's a way to make yeah. it like more ambiguous yeah. where it's just like, well, is it a clear cut AI? Because like, let's say they destroy all the computers or something at the mm -hmm. end. It's like, oh, he's gone. It's like, no, he's not. He's, I think he's it'd be still cool if there is some. I think it'd be cool if you know, Doctor Blight. She's like this techno genius anyway. I think it would be cool if she unearthed, yeah, like this ghost in a machine from maybe some kind of alien artifact or some kind of something um, that has tipped her off to the existence of this. This thing, how and she's it, tapped into it. I, I think it'd be cool if it was like a ghost in the machine kind of thing. After it, it being alien is interesting because then that would mean alien, it would yeah. be it would be not of Earth, and right. so not Gaia, right? So, yeah, that, very that's, powerful, scary, and maybe even some type of visualization of him somewhere in here. Something yeah. like that. Techno, yeah, holographic something. I don't know. So. Uh, she is TV. here copying the rings with her future tech. Mm -hmm. She saw what the rings can do, and she thinks she can copy it so that she can have one. She can imprint on on her. Or I guess actually oh, where four. we're headed, these rings don't need don't imprint only on one person because we'll get to that in a minute. But these rings the have slightly different yeah. have slightly different rules. So we'll we'll keep that we'll keep that idea. So which is um, also from the cartoon. Also from the cartoon, yeah, that's where this is. This this uh, visual is from. I think she's she's copying okay. the rings here in this Sweet. in this episode. I'm pretty sure, but on, on the screen, TC. whether this screen is Zarm or not, it says contingency mm -hmm. installing uh, into the rings themselves, which uh, we'll get to in a minute. So uh, then we cut to Mati. Mati tells them that he will go get the rings alone. Um where they're being stored in the inner chamber uh, with uh, Dr. Blight, okay? So remember, she has the four original rings, and now she has the co she's made copies as well. So I forget, why Why do we have them separate there? Why is he doing it alone? I forgot. 
Well, aren't they still? I think in the he cell? thinks it's too dangerous or something. We we could make them maybe go together. What do you yeah. think? I think I think they should go together. At this point in my head, I think the the four who are not Mati have freed themselves from the cell with his help. Mm-hmm. Possibly, you know, showing or of course showing how powerful that ring is, maybe even affecting the guards somehow. They meet up in some central area of this space and they go to get their rings back together. Um, and that's, you know, a good moment to establish how how they're starting to like, okay, we've got to take this a little bit more seriously than what we just did, mm-hmm. you know. And so I think okay. they should get them all together uh, if okay. yeah. they infringe on something. I think Matisse also already had his showcase as well with the that's ring. That's true. That's true. That's true. You know, with, with getting in, you know, that's kind of their own your own thing where somebody's going to put it on YouTube as like the scene that proves the heart ring does do something. And <laughs> that's uh, true. that I don't think you need to do that again. Uh, with this part so maybe at this point now they're back as a team is just working together but he's the only one with the ring okay mm-hmm. right my my idea Shows was heroes baby he was that he uh he was the only one with a ring at this point so maybe yeah. that was his his thinking is that he wanted to just make sure that uh, he's the only one that's kind of super powered right now Got so you. he he goes alone but yeah we can make good them go em- together good emotion yeah but that's a good yeah. emotion. You could even step on that at some point in there, you know, where he's because this is a story about a character becoming a leader. Exactly. Right. Sure. Right. Right. Um, so, yeah, where was I? So, yeah, the original rings. Oh, they we're going to cut to Dr. We're going to c- cut to Dr. Blight. She's giving out her, the rings to the uh, three other guys. Uh, which are the eco villains? Uh, you know, it could be verminous scum, it could be loot and plunder. It's you know, we'll have to figure that out in the next Duke draft. Nukem I think somehow, yeah, yeah, Duke Nukem or something. But yeah, it's these guys. So she gives them the rings, and then the original rings are in a container in Doctor Blight's chamber, of course. So Mati and his team sneak into the room to get the original rings, and we have <laughs> we have here another discussion, real quick. But like, yeah, like, is there any? Do you guys have at this time any ideas of how they? We have a lot of sneaking on this in this base at mm-hmm. this point, but like we have Mati with the ring, and then we have I don't know they're just they're they're having to work together I guess it's like that whole deal, and they're, you know they're yeah, a team I, at, at this point. At some point they should they have should have to figure out where to go and maybe go to run to confront Doctor Blight. They're gonna try and either confront her or find where their rings are. Maybe Mati in his solo ventures knew somehow. Or, may, or he's attached to the ring, so he can use the ring. Remember, he knows exactly where to go. Um, so they're following him to go get the rings. And I think in that moment, she's already passed her rings out. I think it would be cool if she got on like a loudspeaker system and gave some really maniacal kind of little monologue about how, you know, they're just kids and, you know, true, if, you know, she's not afraid to take collateral damage or some shit like that. And then she lets her characters loose on them already right. so there's even more severity but they're already really close to where the chamber is and maybe the chamber where the rings are stored currently are not mm-hmm. exactly where she is or the henchmen so they get them just in the nick of time as these henchmen t- are right around the corner mm-hmm. kind of and now, now right. they got the powers against yeah. all the enemies yeah so now it's right. not, that'd be cool. somewhat of an even fight mm-hmm. and then you know we at this point we have also said something or showed something about how these rings will have different effects than the more like adverse effects to what the uh the planeteers rings i think okay so at any rate the team mati and the team make it to the inner chamber and 
I guess at this point, they're not there because they're out testing out their own rings, I guess we could say. So right, she, right. so they they have now recovered their rings. And uh, Can I just add something here real uh-huh. quick? I think when she lets loose the henchmen characters who now have their own rings, I think maybe to go completely obliterate the rest of the protesters and set that up about right here. Okay, so they're not just killing. Yeah. They're not just yeah. killing the environment. They're going to kill people because yeah. they don't think these teenagers are much of a threat. So they're going to go out and get rid of all the rest of these protesters and supporters of this thing and take back this island. So that okay. gives the kids that opportunity to get those rings and then and then go after them or or you know where we move on from there. It does raise the stakes. It raises the stakes. So yeah, we have here written that they that they the the eco villains going to get their rings and they're going to want to test them out right. So they on they people. kind of. They're going to leave the base at this point and then go back into the rainforest and do a bunch of damage here. So we see a kind of a showcase of their rings. Now the Planeteers go out to confront them with their rings. So now we're going to have ring-on-ring battle, basically. So uh, that'll be yet uh, you know, another uh, action sequence here showcasing both sets of rings, which is... Uh, I think would be great. And um, I think they're working together as a team better than ever also. And uh, yeah, go ahead, Stefan. I was just going to say each ring should, uh, it might spoil something later. So maybe I'll just wait and and then come back to this. Yeah. Okay. So what they're doing now with their rings is much worse than the drills and everything from the first act. Right. So Mm. one uh, smog, one's waste, one's bad shit. So in the cartoon, there's a hate ring because it's the opposite of <laughs> it's the, the opposite heart <laughs> of yeah. heart. But in ours, we don't have a hate ring because she never even knew that the heart ring existed. Right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's so her she idea. Is hate. Yeah. And yeah. And, and I do and think Doctor Blight uses hate in the cartoon specifically. Mm-hmm. That's hers. Mm-hmm. But we don't have yeah. that in this. We're 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 you know leaving the source material a little bit in this in this part. So anyway. Um, yeah, the Planeteers go out and they have this uh, battle and then Gaia tells Mati that they need to hurry so we're amping up the stakes even more mm-hmm. and that's because uh, when Mati hears that he just kind of innately understands that the um, eco-villains are now headed for Gaia's chamber and they're going to find out a way to get there, right? Mm-hmm. So uh and then they're kind of we might, I might need to talk about this aspect as well. But Mati is uh, is from the area, so he says he knows a shortcut. So I I don't know. It's like this: are they all like in a race to the Gaia chamber at this point? It just kind of feels like the I third think, act. We need this final think, stand right outside of Gaia's chamber or something like that. We need to I somehow think, yeah. get there. Well, let me tell you how we do that. Okay. I think. I think the henchmen, their ultimate goal is to get to Gaia's chamber. Something about that power. We could even say something earlier on about how she wants to kind of destroy these other rings now that she has her copies or she wants to t- somehow harness that power or destroy that power. So that's why the eco-terrorists with their rings are, you know, they're on their way to Gaia's chamber. They're wreaking havoc with those protesters and putting everybody in danger, messing up animals, just carving their way towards this chamber. 
I think with that shortcut that Mati has, he leads them there. They regroup with Gaia just in the nick of time. Now, to... that's what we have written here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They I think, meet up with I... Gaia. And look, I wanted mm-hmm. to talk about this, too. Yeah. Gaia is in, is very weak, but they do meet her. And yeah. I, I the way I would like I envision this scene, this is the Mati's met her before, and he's talked mm-hmm. with her several times. Mm-hmm. The other planeteers haven't met her yet. This is mm-hmm. all other than the rings having powers. This has all been kind of bullshit. When they meet Gaia, they've met they've met Mother Earth herself. They've right. met. They are so and moved by her presence. This is a very deep and spiritual kind of a, awakening kind of emotion, uh, emotion mm. that they're all having. If they weren't true believers be- before, they sure. are now. So yeah. this is definitely and a moment. They have a moment, but it doesn't last too long because we're in the middle of action. But yeah, when they go meet God, I, we had this idea of her go, of, of all the planeteers through that shortcut going to see to the Gaia chamber and they briefly meet Gaia, get moved by her and be in her presence. And then I guess their, their uh, attitude and their spirits and everything, they're so they become galvanized and they become one even more than before and uh, kind of begin their last stand because it's like this or nothing right in front of the Gaia chamber. If I can add, uh, so yeah, Gaia, and also we can play that Gaia's weekend, or she might even be dying at this point. They're really yes. at the very point of the planet or whatever, where it got, the spirit of the Earth resides, and they're attacking it, they're hurting it. Um, yes. And so in the cartoon, there's also a moment where Kwame again says something like, what happens when we, when we, if we can't defeat the foe or whatever? So that'll lead in to something a little bit later, but it kind of yeah. in this moment, I think she hints towards the rings power coming together. Um, and yeah, so maybe, at this, yeah, maybe she tells them mm, at this point about right. Making the rings come together. Yeah. In the cartoon, we're, we're going to get to it guys. Yeah. I know you've been waiting right. on it, but I didn't we're, spoil. we're just I didn't about to, to get to it. Yeah. I didn't want to spoil, but I thought a good detail cause I thought it could happen at this moment. And, um, so, okay, go ahead. Yeah. Okay, so well, the planet. Okay, oh, ben, hold on, real something? quick. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because this is a big, big moment that you guys have been talking about. We have a lot of things to cover. We have the the sort of they bond together spiritually. They meet Mother Nature. There's exposition that needs to be addressed and stuff. So, like, there is a danger here of if this is like right in the middle of action, we don't want to step on the emotion of that right, point. Right, right. So I was curious. Just this backtracks way back mm-hmm. because i feel like maybe i missed it or something but how do the how does dr blight know where gaia's chamber is maybe i was thinking about that just now so mm-hmm. maybe uh Z- zarm tells her or something about having the she rings uses, put together or what she uses yeah. tech to to find the source of the power of the rings and she sees that it's like million times powerful than just the rings themselves you know what, what if That's we a... switch it okay what if the planeteers are like, oh shit, there's in danger. Mati's like, I have to talk to Gaia. Let's go to Gaia. They go to Gaia, but they don't know that Dr. Blight is just like, the kids will lead us to Dr. Ga- to, to oh, Gaia. That's great. So Let's do that. we it. switch that. Then you get the kids to meet Gaia. We have this big moment. It can be like five to eight minutes or so, but yeah. we know that there's in the background, like there's going to be something because we know that the villains are after them, but the kids don't know. So then you get like that emotion solidified. And then, boom, guess what? The eco-villains are at the door. Yes, they nice. show up. Let them yes, exactly. right to you. Love it. 
and yeah, then that's there's a great. bit of guilt too where it's just like ah oh, shit that like they we led them to this this is our responsibility we have to take care of it but that way you get your you get it your does. emotional maybe, beats more spaced out and maybe even in that moment prior to maybe they led people around that community of protesters as well um i don't think we mentioned but there was like a camp kind of central camp where they are all kind of I mean, if it was a protester it. camp too, somewhere yeah. in this area. Yeah. We had this idea, yeah, because yeah. so they, they they've all kind of flown there. There, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. They kind of put people's lives in danger at that point. Yeah, so I'd say you, you switch it so that they lead the villains to there. They just don't know it, and then like you get more of that moment, and then there's that added guilt, and like you just ratchet up the stakes even higher because they let them right to where the the spirit of Earth is. Right. So at this moment. Again, we are kind of bookending the the moment in the beginning, again with protesters, but, but it's just the planeteers again. This time with their rings, and they make a final stand here. Like this is Gaia's chamber. We this you can't knock this down, man. We can't we mm-hmm. can't have this happen. She's already weakened enough. Mm-hmm. So uh, at this moment. They almost die fighting. There's another scene. They try. They use the rings again, but uh, back yeah, they kind of the wall. back against the wall, almost literally, maybe against some trees or something. I don't know what it would be, <laughs> but they basically are on the brink of death, pretty much. And then in the darkest moment, they put their rings together and let our powers combine. I am Captain Platter, you know, and it just like cascades <laughs> it through the atmosphere. And just as it hits your ears, he's in the sky. Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, jump two oh, more. Man. Jump two more. What, go ahead. Oh, jump two more oh, slides. Okay. Yeah, 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 we'll yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go. Yeah. God damn it. Yeah. Oh, my God. Captain Planet. We see him flying. Okay. So finally back. here, everybody. The eco finally have... astounded. What the? We finally have Captain Planet. He has been summoned. Captain Planet takes out the eco-villains with some ease. Definitely a lot easier than what the kids, what the Planeteers are going through. It's very cool. Those guys deserve it, and they get their comeuppance, each one of them. He doesn't kill them, of course, but, you know, he takes them out, right? He takes them out in a clever way, yeah, for sure. Yes. So then, uh, yeah, they put up some fights not too difficult, uh, and the planeteers are amazed at what they witness. you know, this is like, they just saw Gaia, but also this, like, they kind of, they don't know what's going to happen, they just, like, got some kind of hint from Gaia, and uh, then this so, happens, so they're like, so, yeah, it's just amazing to them. In Go the ahead. show, yeah, uh, Kwame says, what do we do if we can't defeat the foe, what do we do? And then she says, well, put your, the power of the rings together, and I bet you'll be surprised, you know? So I think there are some moments Something straight from like the cartoon that, that I don't know. need to end up like smack dab in this movie. But go ahead. I would do that moment a little bit more. I know we're not too subtle with Captain Planet, but something more subtle than that. Something to do with Ma- I mean, yeah. Mati kind yeah, of just yeah. gets it via the heart ring or or something. He kind of in. I think I think what what I like to think of the heart ring is kind of innately gives you a little bit more intuition, also. Yeah. I also so, think it's important to see not just the Planeteers as a team, but Gaia and Captain Planet as well. And I can speak okay. on that at the end. Mm-hmm. But 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 yeah, you know, I'm on board. Okay. Of course. So they stare in wonder at what uh, 
what Captain Planet is doing. And then uh, while this is going on, Dr. Blight is still alive. Captain Planet takes them all out pretty easily. And then he goes to greet the uh, Planeteers. Uh, he hasn't met them yet. He hasn't even met Mati yet. Nobody. So we kind of have that moment, and it's really uh, moving. And uh, then um, during this, Dr. Blight's still alive, and uh, no one really knows this yet. Well, they're all still alive, but she actually wakes up, right? I mean, she's just at the command post at this point. They, she, they just beat up the bad guys, and so at some point she's got to get those rings and put them on herself. Right, right, right. So, yeah. So, yeah, either she was beaten up or and then she wakes up or she wasn't there at all or something like that. But uh, at any rate, I, I, I like this. I like this moment being the moment where we see her uh, reveal of, of what's what's uh, under her hair. Mm -hmm. ah. oh, yeah. uh, so I, I think that would be a good moment because we see her at her yeah, ugliest cool. probably right here. Also, I mean, when I say ugly, movie. I mean, I mean, like being a bad person, like yeah. it's kind of maybe the worst she gets here it somewhere around here in that scuffle or yeah, she so, tries to confront Captain Planet after he takes out those bad guys and then he does something to her. I don't know. Go ahead. Somehow she has she gets all of the rings here. We'll have to figure that out. But she, she mm -hmm. I had to do a quick Photoshop of this because it only had one ring. But she puts Bloody lovely again. We don't don't have the imprinting rule with these rings okay these are the fake rings of destruction the as they're called in the in the they're, cartoon yeah, it's synthetic yeah so the, the rings of destruction pollution the exact opposite right so she puts all four of them on and then you know she doesn't know what's going to happen either really but she just wants to it, she wants to become like kind of all powerful here right so mm -hmm. like think of it's i, I kind of think of jafar of plan, the contingency i kind of I kind of think of Jafar trying finally becoming a genie, you know, like she kind of gets mm, right. taken over yeah. with power here. Um, That's why I was thinking it'd be kind of cool. Uh, you know, I don't know how long this movie is at this point, but in the cartoon, she does face Captain Planet head on uh, in a yeah. couple episodes. It'd be kind of cool to hearken to that and have her even attempt, you know, with those powers and maybe even get a few licks in kind of thing. It depends before. on how the, the rules of the rings would work. I mean, we could, I mean, maybe, yeah. I think them put together, they, she probably have. I mean, they do it in the cartoon. That's all I'm saying. Okay. All right. So, but then again, but, but at this point, she accidentally, or she, or maybe on purpose, we don't know. Uh, this is the contingency she was. She was. This was pro programming into the rings. Either, like Zarm was putting this in, or something. Yeah. Or yeah, maybe uh, Zarm does does it without her knowing. Sorry. Yeah, uh, and so maybe maybe even Zarm and Captain Pollute. Anyway. I haven't said it yet. She summons Captain Pollution, okay? So uh, Captain Pollution is summoned via all these rings on her hand, and then maybe th doing that takes her out for a moment. Not exactly sure. But uh, anyway, they have a – oh, I have – I like this moment too where, remember, Captain Planet at this moment is like kind of talking with the Planeteers, right, meeting them for mm -hmm. the first time. Then they hear Captain Pollution being summoned, and then maybe we can have like a mm -hmm. badass kind of what what the fuck kind of look from Captain Planet, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> kind of give him a bad, yeah. badass like reaction to this, like yeah. like what the fuck, and then he turns around and goes to fight him. So they have an epic battle here, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. uh, this is where we're gonna have a couple different endings. But I did want to say real quick before we get to that, um, oh, he has a different look in the comics too, by the way. Uh, slightly different look cool. but yeah. um 
he uh whenever he gets like he can get supercharged and uh, before we get to our alternate endings here uh we do want to address that it's of course it's uh not the best when you have like remember in everybody not many people like it in logan whenever he fights like a, a guy a that looks just like him a doppelganger mm-hmm. kind of thing so we wanted to kind of uh, avoid that we want to summon him and at first he looks like him but kind of like doomsday or or other villains like that where the more sludge and the more pollution he takes in he actually and this is from the cartoon which i forgot about he will morph and get bigger Mm -hmm. so we can have captain planet fighting this humongous fucking you know kaiju level yeah yeah in my Um, in my mind in my mind he's kind of more in for this movie in my mind the way i would envision him is more like the super scroll where he has at his disposal all four of those different powers from the rings possibly where he can control like this smog sludge and he because he's around so much of this pollution already on this island based on what blight has done to it he's pulling his entire arsenal from the sludge and the muck and the toxic waste that they've amassed and the smog and stuff like that and really beefing those kind of things up so he looks kind of like uh, somewhat shifting in appearance, but you know, dirty. I mean, that's ex- but that's what I but, just said, though. I I think that's. Ex- I mean, well, he starts out looking like more I, like a yeah. traditional Captain Pollution, but then he morphs. Yeah. So we, this is it's all so we don't have that problem yeah. of doppelganger fi- doppelganger fights. Sure, sure, and yeah. it's faithful I would, to I, the lore. Yeah, yes. initially I wouldn't have him look anything like he would be humanoid and maybe even have like long hair, but I wouldn't even make him look really like no, Captain Planet I, I, much. I don't like that. I, I I want him looking. I want him straight out of the rings, looking like Captain Pollution, like regular hu- humanish form, and then mm-hmm. gets to more. Yeah, I think he should be mode. humanoid form. I just don't think he should have like a completely exact kind of costume. But you know, that's semantical. And nobody okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, We're, but at least yeah. at least this kaiju, at least this kind of like souped up version of him sure, is actually sure. in the yeah, lore. Yeah, absolutely. Stefan and I talked about this. Like before we knew, I don't know if I ever saw that episode when I was a kid. I saw a Captain Pollution episode, but I don't remember him growing like that. So maybe mm-hmm. that was in another episode, or I just don't remember. But we kind of stumbled upon that on our own. We were like, well, what if he, because we didn't like the doppelganger thing. And then mm-hmm. we were like, well, what if he just kind of grew? And then lo well, that and was... behold, <laughs> that was in the source material. We, could, we couldn't believe yeah. it. Like this is, yeah. uh, this is all there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd have him more shapeshifty. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we're kind of on the same page here, honestly. Yeah. So, yeah. moving on, we're going into Stefan's edit of the ending, which actually I kind of think we could eventually kind of combine all these things. These sure, are not, sure. These are not yeah. totally mutually exclusive. I think it's basically the same ending, but I think it makes a little bit more sense, is a little bit stronger than that initial conversation we had. Yeah. yeah. And I think yeah, they can be combined. Okay. There's a. I just wanted to clarify things, so that's why I wrote it out because I think we tried to get it down as quick as we could, you know. Yeah, yeah, but so, okay. So the first thing you have written down is, so Captain Pollution draws his arsenal from all the waste and sludge and smog that eco villains let. Can I read it during during the events of the film? Yeah, go ahead. All right, cool. Yeah, so what he just said. So an epic battle between Captain Planet and Captain Captain Pollution ensues. All the while, the nearby protester camp is now in harm's way. And stop me if you guys want to add anything. Um, Keep going. The planeteers planeteers jump into the evacuation effort. Now they don't have the power power of their rings, but they're still heroes. They're still trying to help um, get people to safety. 
Captain Planet puts a hell puts up a hell of a, a hell of a fight, but the sheer amount of toxic waste Captain Pollution has at his disposal overpowers him, and Captain Pollution begins to relentlessly bury Captain Planet in the muck, and he can't escape. Um, and this is something that also happened in the cartoon. Okay, well, not by yeah. Just to remind so, everybody yeah. of the cartoon, Captain Planet's kryptonite is pollution. Okay, yes. <laughs> so yeah. we're gonna keep that with us. It's muck. It's yeah. smog. It's, it's any muck, kind of pollution. Smog, all that shit. Yeah, chemical shit. He's just yes. burying him under this and this island. This island's getting just wrecked through this whole movie. Um, <clears throat> uh, the bystanders are in relative safety when the Planeteers realize that Captain Planet has been bested. And they're helpless to aid him without their powers. It seems as though all is lost. The sheer amount of pollution amassing in and around the island puts everybody in jeopardy. So that's kind of speaking to Andrew's idea of it growing. And I think just everything in the island is becoming overshadowed by just a bunch of pollution. Cat pollution is not, you know, no joke. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> puts everybody in the island in jeopardy. Captain Pollution has no intention of letting up. There's a note there. It's not why he exists. All of them are shrouded and in darkness. Anyway, cut that. I was trying to fix Um, your writing here, but I because I didn't I didn't know I didn't know what you were talking about. I was I was dictating some of it. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I was dictating some of it, and it's uh you know Captain Pollution has no intention of letting up. I don't know what the why he exists, but all of a sudden they're shrouded in darkness. Is what that was supposed to say. So um, wait, 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 planet- wait, wait, wait. So all the planeteers and everybody are now. It's like kind of pitch black because the it's like the sky has become dark with yeah. complete pollution. Okay, yeah, that's, that's good. Smog. Good, good, good. Yeah. Amping up of the action here. Yep, that mm-hmm. smog. Yeah, um, the planeteers look on helplessly and feel that their efforts have been in vain. They need a miracle, and I got this idea from you actually. Um, yeah, because. Earlier, we had a different contingency for what would happen here, but I think Andrew mentioned something about rain, and I think that's better. Uh, All of a sudden, from the distance, thunder and lightning begins to crack in the sky, and then rain begins to fall, beginning to saturate everywhere and everything, in kind of a cleansing kind of way at first, you know, just take liberties with that visually. The rain steadily becomes stronger, now distracting Captain Pollution as he sees his arsenal of muck and smog begin to dissipate around him and rinse from his body. Uh, then he lets up on burying Captain Planet. Mati jumped to Mati. He says, it's Gaia, and instructs everyone to hold on tight. Then suddenly a vicious tropical storm forms over the devastated landscape, seemingly focused and on battering and breaking down Captain Pollution's powerful form, as well as cleaning off many damaged areas and freeing animals and people who've been trapped in the battle. Um, the storm tears Captain Pollution down to a basic form. Yeah, so I wanted to talk about this real quick. Yeah. So he... The storm takes him back down from kaiju form to basic form. In the cartoon, I believe, in he would be totally taken out by regular rainwater at this point because he's mm-hmm. the opposite of Captain of Planet, right? So mm-hmm. he would, I think he would have to, I guess because he was so powered from before that this rainwater doesn't take him out entirely like it normally would. It just depowers yeah. him a little bit because he it's, was Again, really it's kind of harkening... Yeah, and it harkens to the entire group of characters we've introduced working as a team, not you know not just the Planeteers. Uh, it's kind of her, you know, they set him up, she knocks him down, kind of thing. Um, yeah, but anyway, uh, the storm washes away the sludge, also cap, uh, trapping Captain Planet, uh, and he starts to regain consciousness. Uh, the smog dissipates, and the storm clouds all but clear out with enough rainfall to keep Captain Pollution debilitated. 
but with enough sunlight to recharge Captain Planet's store of energy, and he blasts out from his burial just as the rain stops and shines with a magnificent glow above the island. So in the cartoon, he's got that gold globe kind of thing. We don't have to be right on the nose with that thing, but I think kind of like an aura of golden light, maybe, maybe not, I don't know, whatever. Um, yeah. Captain Pollution tries one vain attempt and an attack, but Captain Planet quickly mops the floor with him in his weakened state, putting an end to his and Blight's reign of terror. Um, <clears throat> the Planeteers gather before Captain Planet, admiring him and all. <laughs> he hangs in the air and at a distance, somewhat silhouetted by the sun, says, So at this point, I didn't go back and realize that we had a uh, thing of him talking with the Planeteers at one point. And I thought it'd be okay and kind of cool if this is as much we see of him besides him fighting is like this kind of silhouette, especially when he talks. So there's kind of this mystical uh, mystery behind the character. So that's what I wrote there. But then, I think I like him talking with them a little bit there. Yeah, I mean, he will talk they actually him. get to yeah. know him a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that as well. And they do that in the cartoon for sure. He's kind of real chummy with them, which is cool. Um, I just thought it would be kind of a a godly kind of moment, but I didn't go back, so that's fair. But (laughs) I wrote a little line of dialogue I thought would be nice. Always something like this, not exactly this, but always remember, it's you who can truly make the world a better place. I am Captain Planet, but the power is yours. His body motions to fly away, but the energy of the rings goes the opposite direction, back into their rings, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Some CG effect there. You got to have um, that original line. I like how you kind of edited it into a bigger sentence because he just kind of says, yeah. remember the power is yours in the cartoon. But this is yeah. a, this is a good edit here. So, yeah. Thanks. Yeah, I like it. I think it's emotional and whatever. The Planeteers gather after that. Smoke dust is clearing. Um, and Mati, now rightfully sitting in a position of leadership, addresses them, stating that Captain Planet is right. And that with their abilities, they can do a lot of good for the planet. They can protect Gaia, and in turn, she can protect them. They are the planeteers. You know, and you, then you zoom out and show the landscape or cut to different animals and prosperity and shit like that. And you see things starting, you know, those uh, CG images of things getting better, you know, people building or whatever, you know, use your imagination. Um, <laughs> and then I was just joking that I wrote a Captain Planet theme cover by Avenged Sevenfold. <laughs> but... You know, Gojira will be in the soundtrack somewhere, especially when you see the villains, maybe. Okay. Uh, toxic mm-hmm. Garbage Island. I don't know. Actually, but that's my you, ending. You, or, or, or Joe. <laughs> go ahead. It's a good, it's a good, it's a good ending. I do like Captain it. And I like the, I don't really like that band. I don't like that band too much, but I do think Gojira, because Gojira is a, a French joking, metal yeah, band yeah. <laughs> that is very much about uh, eco Jews. They're 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 uh, a very much an environmentalist metal band and they're very popular too they toured with metallica mm-hmm. so like you know they're uh they would be a great pick and if they covered if they covered captain planet theme song that'd be that'd be amazing and also it kind of fits on theme too because these mm-hmm. planeteers are badass they're badass yeah. fucking people that are risking their lives and they're fucking you know they're 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 not little babies yeah. you know so i them having kind of a metal cover here at the end it kind of would mm-hmm. sort of fit on theme so i do think <laughs> that's a good idea and i dude i yeah. can i want to tell you right now i can just imagine this scene it starts to rain and all the other planeteers are like well, what the fuck and they look to mati yeah. and he just says it's gaia you know yeah boy, and like it's usually that would be kind of not the best thing because it's a deus ex machina literally just about but 
we're dealing with gods that's already been established. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. it's Gaia's last thing that she can and again, do, they, or it's the only thing well, she has left in, in her energy stores too, whatever. Because she's also weakened. Yeah. Remember, but maybe she has enough yeah, just right. for this. Sure, maybe sure, meeting yeah. the Planeteers gave her the some energy as well. That you know was what, a, I mean? what I was going to propose. I, I think yeah. because, like, again, like Mati is your central character, so ideally he has some involvement with basically solving the big problem that happens in this plot. So I think because of something that Mati and the Planeteers do outside of what, you know, you've got the big fist fight with, with planet and pollution. That's already covered stuff. Yeah. But it's something that they do in conjunction of that, that basically replenishes the spirit of Gaia so that she can do that. That will be less of a deus ex machina and more of just like the, the leadership arc that you gave to Mati already is fully realized at that point where he leads the charge to sort of replenish the spirit of Gaia doing whatever it is with the rings, whatever it is just to inspire people or the other people who are around this dystopian wasteland and realizing, you know, what it's going to take to save their world, all that type of stuff. Like that, that can be something that's going on while we got, you know, the big fist fight that you can just edit into the trailer and stuff. But the core arc oh, definitely. is, is, is Mati bringing everyone together to help basically replenish Gaia so that she can help planet fight pollution. Yeah. I think that's great. Yeah. We have that a lot of great ideas here, man. Yeah. So, uh, th- my, my, this is like not totally my idea. Stefan, I think you were part of this one too. And then the, the last, last part I think was totally me, but the, our other idea for the ending, actually, I think your idea is really more fleshed out, man, but just to cover it real quick, Captain Pollution transforms to his, into his bigger form, grows more powerful, and then Captain Planet is weakened and tells one of the Planeteers to blow up a part of the plant nearby. And then, and then they're confused, but they do it anyway. That explosion causes it to rain. But man, I think your guy idea is better now that I read this. Yeah, yeah initially uh, this I was thinking... cleans off they... Captain Planet. Yeah. Remember, Captain Planet's in a super weakened state. Yeah. And then the rain cloud... Uh, Captain Planet, but oh, then I had an idea that Captain Pollution destroys the rain cloud with his powers. So I think fighting weather would be interesting. Like we haven't really seen a whole lot of that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, but then he then goes to fight Captain Planet again after that. But then Captain Planet wins the fight, of course. And then you know, then we have the moment where he goes and thanks Planeteers and says, "Remember, the power is yours." He returns to the rings, but. Uh, I don't know, man. I feel like you kind of you cracked the code mostly on that on that third act there in that last <laughs> this version. Part. I don't know. Yeah, what you guys the, the main thing is this version also addresses having the Planeteers play some sort of role in it, which right. would already be done if we were to have some version of Mati leading them into replenishing Gaia to help out Planet there. So it's kind of already mm-hmm. a combined version of those ideas. Our powers combined literally when it comes to uh, yeah, writing yeah. that act. And you know, and it's exactly. so. It, I don't know if that's, that's meta, but you know, a lot of these lines and a lot of these themes and stuff are speaking directly to the audience too, and kind of like hoping oh, to yeah. instill that inspiration of like making the world a better place, doing your part, and teamwork and all that stuff. Uh, so, Secret Galaxy, which used to be Toy Galaxy, they have an episode mm-hmm. of Captain Planet, and I also watched this, watched that for uh, the uh, you know research for this episode, nice. and uh, he does make a joke at the end, like when you were a kid, did you get the uh, subtle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, message from this from this cartoon. <laughs> so yeah, the people always kind of make fun of that because it's Ted you know, Turner. It's Had not it's not subtle this. at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, so, right. Yeah. The third the third <laughs> idea, 
and this is i don't know man this is kind of a maybe but i just i wanted to kind of throw it out there just 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 for completion's sake this one was all me but my idea was after the fight captain planet dies okay he it's kind of a double knockout captain captain pollution Mm -hmm. is taken out but captain planet also dies in the process right doomsday superman kind of situation uh and then uh, they both fade away both captain pollution and captain planet and then uh after the fallout mati then asks gaia who will be captain planet now and then she responds and says something like the power could be yours mati if you choose and mati looks wide-eyed nearly crying he looks back to the other planeteers and then mati becomes captain planet and then after that he goes back then mati captain planet goes back into the rings we see the heart ring drop to the ground because mati is gone his physical body is gone he's sacrificed himself to become the next captain planet and now he's earth's protector and things like that so the other planeteers pick up the heart ring we don't give it to anybody just yet and then it begins to rain and we maybe have a see uh, you know a scene like that but uh i don't know i thought maybe that would really give <laughs> us some sort of uh, real real gravitas at the end but i don't know maybe it's a little bit much it is i think a lot of the captain planet fans are going to flip their shit when it comes to that yeah. Part. But yeah. I, I i admire the, the guts and the gusto to, to that one though yeah. like it, it, even as somebody who who you know doesn't remember as much about the tv show as you guys do on this i'm just like eh, i don't know <laughs> about but, but i get it I, I feel like okay this one yeah, is probably yeah, the yeah. most it is the most yeah. powerful for Matisse arc because yeah. he does have he, he makes a major major step in a literal transformation at the end mm-hmm. of this we just don't necessarily know if he needs to go that far in order to um in order to get there so yeah. that I'll I'll go because this is mostly what you guys fleshed out. I'm kind of the you know other. I'm almost kind of like an executive producer or exec at this point, and just You're listening glue, to this man. and, and yeah, doing stuff. So came up with the cornerstones of this movie. Yeah, yeah, you, you guys, <laughs> this is your things. So uh, I'm not going to take credit for it. But uh, one thing that I think we should address because we might get comments about that is the fact that this is a Captain Planet movie, yet he doesn't show up until the third act. I know. I, I thought we. I, I know we to have say that something. kind of. Yeah. Uh, it was. It's. Yeah. It's. We definitely thought about that, and maybe mm-hmm. we can get him sooner. I have but an- it's. Yeah. It's a. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead, Stephen. Go ahead. I have another thought about that. I think yeah. ultimately the film itself should be called Captain Planet and the Planeteers, just like the show. Mm-hmm. Um, partially because you know you know you're gonna get Captain Planet, but the Planeteers are central to the film. The action's great. The drama's great. It might be a little too late. It might be too much of a build or whatever. But I think that third act climax action scene where you see Captain Planet throw down and see the force that he actually is, is okay. I think it is more so about the Planeteers. And even the cartoon is like that. They're mostly on the adventures. You just Mm -hmm. see Captain Planet at the end anyway. So it's kind of true to That is true. It's a, here's, it's here's just, it I feels like Captain Planet would be debate. so overpowered in the beginning. If but mm-hmm. then True. again, maybe they could figure out a way to take him out without Captain Pollution at the in the beginning. Yeah. I don't know. 
I still I still like yeah. having Captain Pollution as like the big big bad, the final battle. Mm-hmm. Like that's the one you're putting in the trailer. You know, mm-hmm. Super Bowl trailers is all going to be Captain Definitely. Planet versus Captain Pollution uh, and stuff. But, but I I do I do think there, there's a few things on this. One of those is like even if you call on Captain Planet and the Planeteers, like the Captain Planet's the face that people remember. Like Matisse not like I I'm like who when I was looking through this and then I had to look it up uh, on that because like we we do have to factor in the the idea that this is like the main face and the name that's drawing people into this movie and the nostalgia would be captain planet. If it is Glenn Powell or any other actor, like they're there to sign up to see that actor, John, that I'd, and if I'd he show, him show a up... bunch in the marketing, I wouldn't, I wouldn't <laughs> hold off on showing captain planet. Yeah. Uh, I, he'd be on the poster, mm-hmm. you know, subtly, you know, you, you maybe not see him as in bright of light or something, but you know, he's still there and he'd be in the trailer. No, you wouldn't need like to that, show him so. in the trailer for sure. Yeah. Yeah, but well, Would also, even Would, if yeah. no, even if saying. this yes. wasn't based off of, let's say it was just called the Planeteers, and, and it was an original thing, and mm-hmm. Captain Planet didn't exist as a previous IP and stuff, we still have a final fight represented by a face we just met, mm-hmm. which is kind of which is divorced from the whole IP stuff. That's the only other thing where I'm just like, mm, I'm not really sure about that because we just met this yeah. guy, and now we're supposed to care about him in this big fight. Okay, but. I think there is a thing, though, where the pitch that you guys had, I think by the time we do actually get to Captain Planet, I was because I was tracking the time on this. I'm just like, I feel like we're closer to like maybe an hour in when Captain Planet shows up in you guys' pitch. I don't think you're an hour and a half in. I think you're an hour in because like it's only going to take like, what, 30 minutes for Mati to to, um, to freedom, which means that you could have an extra just 15 minutes after where like he defeats Dr. Blight and stuff yay captain planet and then you build up a little bit of a relationship with captain planet and his dynamic with the kids for a little bit so we care a little bit more about him and what he represents and all those things so that when he gets his ass kicked by captain pollution in the third act then you're just like oh fuck like you have more of an emotional tie to that and it gives dr blight more time so i'm not saying you you put him earlier necessarily i think the way you guys have it you know, he already kind of shows up an hour in, in which case, kind of what I'm saying. I think we do spend a lot of time with them with those fights between the eco terrorist and Captain Pollution and a little scene where he has a chat with them, you know. Mm-hmm. In, in which um, case, he shows up in the middle half, of the movie. Really, can be looked yeah. at as being kind of half and half, really. So, yeah. where do you put him in if he's coming in the second act? Where is the exact position he's coming in? He'd be midpoint. He, midpoint. He's midpoint. So, after they got the noxious gas, or where, what's happening here? Mid midpoint would be no 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 you do it exactly the way that you guys have said I'm just saying yeah, that the part that you said was the third act is not the third out. act it's the midpoint oh, of this we're about okay, an hour so in. what happens after yeah so he fights Captain and, Pollution and that's the midpoint of the second act and then what happens after that after that we have a little bit more of him mentoring the kids maybe they're just like trying to clean up stuff because they think it's over but Doctor Blight is is plotting shit and the second act is Doctor Blight with the rings creating Captain Pollution. Then third act is your fight with Captain Pollution. But at that point, we've already we know Captain Planet more. He's yeah, built up more of a dynamic with, with the him kids. There. Yeah, yeah, like we have more of an emotional tie to this character, so that by the time that he's nearly dying and stuff, we have a lot more of an emotional connection to him as opposed to if we just met him like yeah. two, feeling like two seconds ago. On that, I'm, I think, I'm saying you basically just keep exactly what you have. I'm just padding yeah. out a little bit more right, before the I Captain Pollution stuff. It's not a bad idea. I, it feels like we would definitely need to add to source material also because I don't know. I remember in the I, look, I could be wrong about this. I didn't. 
I watched like clips and I watched the first episode in preparation of this and then a bunch of other stuff, but I don't remember like there's not like this is kind of a problem with the original show maybe. Captain Planet himself doesn't have like a lot of character moments. He Sure he does. He really is. They call on a Deus Ex Machina. <laughs> no, he has a lot of kind of uh, by themselves he, like at the end of every episode. Mhm. He he spends like, in the cartoon in how much he's you might say that they're well acquainted. Like he spends a good <laughs> amount of time with these kids when he is summoned, you know, he spends, he pals around with them. They know they ha he has a personality, you know, he's even kind of funny and joking around in a lot of episodes. Himself. I think you have to add, I think you have, I think to there's add a lot of room there though adapting. as well. I, yeah. I think with the structure yeah. we have, and I think yeah. the, the intention as well as like, there's a good pacing going here as well. We're, we're really building tension right from the first moment. Mm -hmm. So I think the pacing is going to move fast and this movie probably won't be as, you know, where it stands now. It probably is not as long as maybe in your mind, Andrew. And I think, I think Ben's kind of on point. Like, I think we do see Captain Planet okay. a little bit earlier. We just so our second, and the our, last our second draft of this would be like, we add more after this first fight with Captain Pollution or right. we fight yeah, somebody after he else takes out the eco-terrorists probably. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And maybe there's another, so, like they have to actually help something and he, I don't know. Go ahead. So right, we replace, we replace where Captain Pollution shows up. He doesn't show up there, but there's a big battle there. Captain Planet is summoned here in front at the guy in front of the Gaia chamber. And Basically, then, Dr. Blight needs more time to recover before yeah. creating and Captain Pollution. It's and that's what leads into the, the third act after that. Yeah, exactly. It's good between the eco-terrorists and the Captain Pollution fight maybe to have a reprieve, you know, there and get some of that mm -hmm. good uh, time with Cappy Planny. Right, which is, again, I, right. I realize that there wasn't a ton of, like, maybe there was, wasn't a ton of character to Captain Planet in the stuff, but the, the mm -hmm. core audience of this is partially kids, but also partially us. You know, us 30 year olds who yeah. grew up with this and like there's going to be, right. you know, there's going to we pay for the ticket for the nostalgia. But what mm -hmm. really gets us to remember it is the emotion, the depth that's added. I mean, just look at the difference between Top Gun 1 versus Top Gun Maverick, you know, mm -hmm. where the first oh, one yeah. has these iconic moments. But then the second one we watched and, you know, Andrew and I, you and I were at least were just like, emotion. this is the best movie of the year. <laughs> you know, like, this, this, this adds so much. Because and if they didn't add that, then it would just be like, oh, it was nice nostalgia bait. It was cool seeing Tom Cruise fly a plane again, but then we forget about it. Next week. <laughs> what, what added yeah, it was true. all the added shit to that, to all the emotional depth that us now as grown men are just like, okay, this is what gets us to, you know, to be close to crying in the theater and remember this movie. And that's that's kind of the thing where like, okay, now now that this is Captain Planet for twenty twenty three or beyond, like this is what's going to get you to remember this movie is this character, this insight into Captain Planet you didn't know, or or how things have evolved now that environmentalism has has evolved or has has grown more and more since the '90s when uh, mm -hmm. you know the show was on. Like all these different yeah. things, you kind of have to add in the you have to add into the mythology in order for it to to kind of have even more of the impact and to have a sort of a worthy adaptation. I would love of that. So when you're a kid. Who, how would you, off the cuff, how would you uh, expound on Captain Planet as a character? Like, would you add more of a relationship between him and Gaia? Like, what's his deal mm -hmm. then? Uh, I mean, off the top of my head, it, it is, we, we need to kind Yo. of learn, 
actually, Stefan, you should probably you probably know better than me because I'm think just going to be after he takes out the eco terrorists. We get a scene where like all the people, the protesters and stuff, and villagers who live on that island come and they admire Captain Planet, and we really show mm-hmm. this moment where he's like kind of that Superman moment where he's really caring and loving to the kids and like laughing with them, and everybody is thanking him and kissing his hand and hold, you know. He's this, he is like kind of a God character, but maybe not leaning too much into the God thing, but really showing his relationship to people in general, uh, this, this Mm -hmm. force, or I guess not in general, but now that he is around and just astounding all these people and helping them, maybe using some of his power to like lift trees off of some shit, you know, it's just just tough because this is, this is a character that literally you see him return to the rings, show that he cares. He returns to the rings. So like whenever he's not in the rings, is he just kind of not around? Like, how much do we really flesh this out? Like, I'm, I'm sure there's a he, solution. But... In the cartoon, he's around as long as, you know, he needs to be. He has scenes of dialogue and stuff with them. Um, uh, but no, know, no, 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 my, my, pe- my point is yeah. how much of his own character story and his character building can you get when a character almost doesn't exist out, you know, whenever he's not, you know, existing as Captain Planet. He doesn't doesn't seem like he exists when he's in the rings. Yeah, yeah. So, so like, what's his story then? You know what I mean? Like if we're, if we're going to flesh out Captain Planet himself, what do we do about this? This is a, this is a problem that we would have to address in later drafts. Well, he's yeah. had to have done like, this is not his first go around, right? Like he's had to have done this before in some ways he has to have had some established relationship with Gaia, with the planet itself, with human beings, you know, does he love human beings? Does he have a mistrust for human beings? Yeah. What does he think about? How does he feel about environmentalists? Uh, how does he feel about the eco-terrorists? Like, all, all these sorts of things. I don't think you need to necessarily build in a huge backstory so much as you just have to mm-hmm. build in what his relationships are to the existing context of the story. You know, I, kind of like I what think, Stephen was talking about. Yeah, I think it's just important to to show more than tell. I think we show mm-hmm. how he is with creatures and people around after he's been summoned and let people admire and appreciate him you know, and I don't think we need to like really sit down and pick Captain Planet's brain necessarily because um, he's he's the spirit of all the characters we've built at this point. You know, that's the thing. These are Earth spirits in a sense. So, I I, I would Ben, I would love to flesh. I I think we should flesh him out. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to present right mm-hmm. now the challenges and when i say spirit i speak to like the the spirit of the people you know like the spirit of these characters the 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 heroic you know characters he's he's kind of a representation of of all those things you know that came from the characters i think you're emotional gaia right he's gaia yeah and now an extension of those and and now extension of those kids you know and i and another idea could be somewhere laying in there that like at the time we meet Gaia in this film, she's already kind of at a weakened state. So she alone can't summon Captain Planet anymore. I don't know yes, how, at yes. what point we'd build that in, but you know, she needs these kids to come together and utilize whatever, you know, to do it together because she can't do it on her own anymore. So that would kind of write out the fact that, you know, oh, well, were there the earlier planeteers? Right. Uh, I think I mean, maybe in ancient times. Yeah, probably. But I, I think there's, there's another aspect too of, the fact that he arrives due to, you know, it's their powers combined. He is kind of a, he's a combination of the characters we've been following for the first half. So there can be instances of him showing traits uh, that are similar to each one of them at some point. 
or at least kind of knowing how one person feels about the other uh, or repairing relationships there. Like there could be something done. That's almost like kind of a Shazam thing where it's just like, it's an adult actor playing off of the things or characteristics that we know about the kids. It's just all, it's all of them combined. You know what? Yeah. The rings imprinting too. Mm-hmm. That actually imp- the imprints back into the ring and imprints back into Captain Planet. I don't know. In, I just in which in which case, yeah. Captain, you don't necessarily have to create this big like last thing you need to do is this big backstory where Captain Planet's from a distant planet that got destroyed, you know, and all that type of shit. Like you, <laughs> you don't need to do there. that. You're not going to do that. But like, just make him an extension of the existing characters we've already been meeting for the first hour or so. Where like it's it, so it becomes less of a thing or like completely new character that we have to to explain and, and make it more of just like, okay, this is person is a manifestation of this and, and deepens the existing characters, deepens Mati, deepens Wheeler, deepens everybody. Sounds, I mean, I love it, dude. I think it's great. I would love to see this movie, whatever in some form or fashion. You hear me, DiCaprio, Glenn Powell, superhouse podcast at gmail.com. We'll be waiting. <laughs> Yes, we'll be waiting. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that that was our pitch, and we just like we have written here some themes too. You know, of course, and th- environmentalism would be a, the major major thing here, right? We'd have Greta Thunberg in it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you know, maybe. <laughs> but uh, uh, again, Captain Planet's a godlike force. He's under the direction of Gaia. They're both kind of ethereal in some way or another. They're both connected. Um, but also like, I just love like thinking about like how divorced from nature will we, will we be going forward at, at this rate that we're going already in the real world? How big Mm -hmm. should cities get? You know, where are we going? Like, is every place on the planet eventually going to be covered in concrete? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's it's just like, there's some real deep ideas here that we could, that it's not just like, let's save the planet guys. Like, yes, it is that, Mm -hmm. but I would, I would like, I always love it when there's like a deep quote here and there not overdone Mm -hmm. because that's a little bit much but like here and there and you could definitely do that in this movie you know we have all the cheese of the 90s show but we're gonna pepper it in with some deep stuff too and uh yeah being connected with nature and you know it's that whole thing about like kind of like the stereotypical like western mindset is that we are living above nature or there's man nature dualism and things like that but in reality, man is a part of nature. Man lives amongst nature. There is no living atop it. We're all we're we're among it. We're not separate from nature. We are it. We we do, you know, descend from apes and things like that. We're we're not really separate. We are nature. And if we could just remember that, you know, uh, maybe the world would be a better place. And maybe some of those ideas could kind of seep into this movie, you know. So. Um, Anyway, uh, if you guys don't have any notes on that part, I'll, we'll go into our, our in summation part of, uh, of our notes, which, uh, as you can probably tell, we didn't really reinvent the wheel on this script. We, I think, followed kind of like, I mean, I hate the word sometimes, but we followed a lot of tropes. We followed kind of like the typical, uh, you know, arc with this kind of movie. But the thing is, I think it still works. I think a lot of people, it seems like a lot of people feel like a Captain Planet movie would never work. But I think even without thinking of something crazy, actually following the most, like, kind of like a a, a non-crazy formula, 
it still works. This idea mm-hmm. still works. I I think we all podcast. So I thought that was interesting about and how we wrote it. So um, and again, it doesn't. Our our script is not. I think not dark, not overly dark or irreverent. So uh, going back to that uh, screen rant article that we uh, uh, talked about earlier in the episode. Um, what's missing from these beats and what we would address in, in, in drafts going forward, uh, we didn't really get too much into the interpersonal relationships between the Planeteers. That would have to be something that's addressed in the first, like this isn't even in the first draft. These are just beats, right? So in the first draft, when we finally get there, or the second draft of the beats, story beats, um, where we'll have to kind of flesh out, like, who is Linka? Who is Guy? We got a little bit of Mati, but more of him. Kwame. Mm-hmm. We didn't really talk about Kwame that much. Kwame, I thought, had the coolest power when I was a kid. Other, I like Wheeler, too, but, man, being able to control ground, like, I, that really stuck out to me. Like, you could really do damage with that, you know? So, you know, really, like, Guardians of the Galaxy-style kind of thing, you know, have their team, you know, not work and then start to work together and, you know, definitely have a focus like you have with Peter Quill, with Mati, a uh, different personality than Quill, of course, but focus on him mainly. But, uh, you know, we definitely get to know the other cast as well. And we didn't go over that too much. We were kind of like getting just real broad stroke story beats with this episode. But, uh, yeah, and I also wrote here, like, what's Maddie's arc in this? But I think, yeah, it's to find purpose. It's to find his arc in this would be probably his leadership arc, right? Like you said, Ben? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's learning, it, you know, you, you take somebody who is not used to being a leader, who's not used to being, you know, in having any power or any say in anything, and and you you empower him, literally, in this case, with a ring. Well, well thanks, everybody, for listening to our Captain Planet pitch. Uh, it was a lot of fun, and that is superhero stuff you should know. Okay, so final trivia here real quick before we're uh, going to fan comments and all that. But uh, Captain Planet has comic books. Uh, Marvel had a lot, like a quick run, I think 12 issues or something like that. Um, I haven't read them, but the artwork is cool. I really like this artwork uh, on, on on these uh, covers here. So kind of interested, mm-hmm. actually. I couldn't find it on Comixology, I don't think. And I looked on the Marvel app, too, and it wasn't there. But if you're able to find them... You know, could be cool. And I and hopefully this Secret movie gets Gal- made and they just re- get reprinted. Exactly. Secret oh, yeah. Galaxy mentioned that they do begin to deviate from the cartoon too slightly, which would be interesting to see. Maybe they build upon it a little bit. Mm-hmm. So if you know about these, please uh, comment in the comments. So yeah. Um, also, uh, the toys. There, there were toys. Uh, Stefan's super into toys also, yeah. and I uh, wanted to mention this. Um, the, when they sold the toys, they did try to be eco-friendly, uh, somewhat cause they are pieces of plastic. So there is that issue, mm-hmm. but, and also I think some of the, like the materials they use are somewhat eco, eco-friendly, like friendlier than usual. Mm-hmm. And the sales went at least partially a percentage went to some charities at the time, something like that. So I thought that was interesting. And, uh, the last cool packaging thing here, um, during the uh, research for this episode, uh, I, I found this this channel called Captain Planet Tube, and <laughs> they have like a lo- a bunch of promotional material and stuff like that, but also 
there's like all this like it's very interesting like the the premiere of Captain Planet and like all these like behind the scenes and Turner I don't know if it's meetings but like announcements to like I don't know if it's the board or whatever it's like a, almost like a corporate announcement all hmm. kinds of behind the scenes stuff like that you don't see for a lot of cartoons because and it, it was felt a big like push. it was a big push they had all these stars with it and they were like just so genuine like Ted Turner and all like everybody involved is Ted Turner here. Like, I don't know what your thoughts on Ted Turner are, but like, it's just like everybody was like super into this. Like it it did feel like kind of like their Mm -hmm. heart was, was kind of in the right place on this one to me anyway, watching these videos on this channel. So I thought that was kind of, kind of interesting. I like, I kind of liked watching those. So captain planet tube, check it out. Um, And then another thing I found there is an actual Captain Planet Foundation. Go All to right. CaptainPlanetFoundation.org slash donate to donate. And the you can power find out is yours. The power is yours, everybody. <laughs> so um, this is still going on. It's the website, it doesn't look old or anything. Like this is this part of Captain Planet's legacy is still going, it seems like. So that was kind of cool, cool to find out. So check that out. You know, I tried to see if they had merch or something, but I didn't find anything like that. But it'd be cool if there was like a tote bag or, you know what I mean? Like your grocery they bag should. thing. Yeah, yeah, the proceeds yeah, that go would be to awesome. all this. Yeah. Exactly, man. That would be like the perfect thing. So, um, so again, thanks everybody for listening. Stefan, thank you for hey, coming thank on. Thank you guys for having me. It's a blast. And, uh, Hopefully, uh, no, this reaches uh, Glenn Powell, Jono, Matt, and Leonardo DiCaprio himself. So, and Stefan, you had some plugs as well? Um, I, yeah, I mean, I haven't been too active on social media in the last six months or so, but uh, I will have some projects coming to my toy photography page at Blister Pack Toys on Instagram. And uh, any other projects I may announce that aren't toy related will be at at Regenesis Studios on Instagram as well. So uh, check those out and pay attention or um, anything that I'll announce. They'll be at those two at this juncture. I'm trying to mess with some Twitch right now, but uh, I believe in Santa Cruz there. That's 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 uh, OK. All (laughs) All right. Now we're going to head into the comments. Thank you, Stefan. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Of course, as always, thanks to Dan, our research assistant for gathering all the visuals for the YouTube experience. This one was definitely a lot of fun. And uh, take it away, Ben. All right. So we got a lot here going on on comments from the Mario Puzo Superman thing we did. So Dustin Givens uh, has brought up something that ties into what you said, Andrew. L is the suffix in Hebrew for of, from, by deity, or by. By L. Uh, uh-huh. My daughter's name is Anna L. It means answer of or from God. Ur, as in Jack's Ur, means flame in a literal sense. It is also the name of the land that Abram, who became Abraham, comes from. Some sources say the name Jax from Jack's Ur means God is merciful, but that isn't really from the Hebrew. It is just that Jax is a form of the name Jack, which is actually a version of the name John, which actually means God is merciful slash God has been gracious slash merciful. We have very knowledgeable commenters. Uh, I anyways, know, man. Jax it's crazy. Actually, <laughs> Jax isn't actually a Hebrew name. Zod can come from the 
I don't know how to pronounce this. T S A D. Sod. 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 Yeah, which means side or against. Also, some say Zod just generally comes from the way non-American countries say Z as Z. Z in Hebrew is Zayin, which can translate as weapon or sword. That fits Zod. Uh, the sword definition comes from uh, Miznaic Hebrew. Also, I've heard that Zayin can be a metaphor for penis in modern Hebrew slang. Kara, on the <laughs> other hand, Supergirl's name means to bow down. Kara with a Q, which can be pronounced the same, means to cry out. Hebrew is a fun, learn learnable game. I took Hebrew in college for Old Testament studies for my degree in Christian education. And then an additional comment saying, I should also add that Cal could mean voice, easy, or light. This is because Cal can be Cal with Q or Cal spelled Q-O-L in Hebrew. Cal equals K-A-L or Cal in, or Cole. Q-O-L equals Cole with a K. The reason for this is because Hebrew actually uses vowels differently than English. For quite a while in history, Hebrew didn't have vowels written down, so the reader would either know through tradition or context which vowel to use. Cal means easy light slash easy and coal means voice as i said in the other comment l means deity or god wow yeah so uh, awesome <laughs> comments this is great and just for mm -hmm. reference real quick we were talking about how cal l the name for superman uh has a the, especially the l part uh, mm -hmm. has this basis in hebrew and yeah i've heard this before cal l means voice of god things mm -hmm. like that and, and that basically so uh I mean, this is great. I love learning about this stuff. Again, I love seeing the the deep stuff connected with comic books. So yeah, and and all these kind of properties. So yeah, this is great. Love it. Thank you. So uh, thank you, Dustin. Uh, we do have another comment that is <laughs> contradicting this, but I'd like to get, I'd like to compliment both guys. Diana guy says the idea that Kalel is based on Hebrew voice of God has been mostly debunked. There are similarities, but not enough evidence to prove this was the intention by Siegel and Schuster. A YouTube video by Pillar of Garbage called Superman Isn't Jesus 2 goes into it all. It is hypothesized Joel could have been just an abbreviation for Jerry Siegel. Jer for Jerry and L for the end of Siegel. I'm inclined to think that maybe it's a combination of both where like, okay, maybe it wasn't intentional, but it kind of turned into it because Joel, like L or Kal-El was not spelled E-L in the original Golden Age comics. It was just the letter L. And it evolved into E-L. So maybe originally there was no intention in that because it was just the letter L. But then it evolved into that in some way. Because otherwise, like, all the stuff that Dustin gave us, like, it's it's kind of hard to believe that this is just all complete coincidence. At the same time, it probably became somewhat of a basis later. Maybe not in the very beginning, but later I mean, on. If you, if you grow up, I, look, I don't know. I'm not Jewish, but it just seems mm -hmm. like if you, if you grow up in that culture... A lot of this is going to just seep in, and maybe mm -hmm. it, even if it wasn't intentional, maybe it kind of just came out in this way. Don't know. They're both dead. Uh, you know, like maybe we could talk to the people at, in their estate. That would be awesome, actually. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I love that the, it's interesting to see this debate here. But also, it could be Hebrew and he him not be Jesus at the same time because again, these guys are mm -hmm. were Jewish, so they're not. I assume they weren't caring about Jesus anyway. Yeah. So that wasn't really the thing that they were. I don't think they put that in there. That kind of all that Jesus stuff with Superman kind of came later. I don't think that was Siegel and Schuster's thing. Like mm -hmm. any kind of parallels to Jesus were kind of made much later in the game. It, it feels like as far as what I gather. So yeah. but, but anyway, yeah, it's it's cool. I mean, 
if coal and call and all that, if that does mean voice, though, and L means God, like, I don't know. It seems like it, but I don't know Hebrew, so I don't know. I mean, if you have, if anybody else has more info on this, we'd love to talk about it further. Mm-hmm. So thanks, everyone. And then Walter yep. the Wobot has a, something uh, related, but what's the deal with Superman's wiener? In Smallville and the Donner movies, Superman can't copulate with a human woman, but in the comics, Lois and Clark and Superman and Lois, he can. Personally, I prefer a sexually frustrated Superman. Nothing destroys the fantasy of a comic book hero than see them have kids. I saw this comment. So, I I, I mean, I love your comments, Walter. You always leave great comments, but I, I don't think it doesn't kill it for me whenever they have kids. I actually, I really mm-hmm. like it on Superman and Lois that they have yeah. like a regular... Um, more or less i mean other than being superheroes like it's just a mm-hmm. like a family dynamic there i really like seeing that uh, you mm-hmm. know they don't all have to have that but i like it i like it in that show it doesn't kill it for me if it kills it for you totally fine uh, not a problem you know uh, everybody has different tastes but uh you know and then with him like not copulating i don't know that just depends on the writer but uh Sexually frustrated sad. Superman. I don't know if he needs to be sexually frustrated. Maybe when he's a teenager. I don't know. But <laughs> but 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 like as a as an adult, and him being with Lois, especially. I, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't think that really needs to be part of Superman's lore. I don't know what you guys think about this. But. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think it needs to be uh, either on that. I think it's, it's. I think it's fine for him to be able to have kids with Lois. You know, I, my I'm, personal. I'm a fan of Superman and Lois. Go ahead. My personal opinion is I, at some point it's like, how many stories can you really see super, a young Superman who's single and unattached more or less, you know, go on. I like, you know, one reference that comes to mind is like Dragon Ball Z. You know, you see a a clear legacy formed as characters are born, children of characters. And I don't think there's enough of that in popular fiction, actually. It's just now in 2023 that we're going to get movies where Batman is, at the head of the bat family apparently with the Mm -hmm. new stuff so it's i think it's time to see these characters that have been around a lot longer than we have been like have kids pass the torch and stuff i i like that kind of thing personally Mm -hmm. um um I don't think anybody should. I mean, we have Son of Kal El right now, but it did take a long time. I mean, he's it's yeah. been around before, and but it's John John but Kent, yeah. John Kent stuff has definitely like become like at the forefront at the moment. Yeah, uh, I so like the kids. We you know, do have that. eventually they'll be the Batman's and the Superman's, you know. And I think that's okay because it's 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 also okay to have a grand Superman and a grand Batman possibly, but that's not a dystopia, you know. Invincible does this really well. There's also another element, too, where, like, you grow up as a kid and you attach yourself to these characters. And then when you, you know, become an adult and you have families of your own, like, it, there's something that makes them even more relatable at that point. When you're a father of two sons and you watch Superman and Lois where he is a father of two sons, like, it's, if anything, it helps enhance or strengthens that bond that you have with that character. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, I like uh, it thank you. Ways, as long as the story is good, yes, thank you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. I don't want my characters to be more sexually frustrated than me. <laughs> That's so true. That. This is a fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> I need inspiration. All right. Well, on that note, we want to thank all of our Patreon, uh, uh, Patreones, uh, including uh, but not limited to, of course, Kevin R, Derek O, Renee V, and Braxton W, and our other supporters as well. Thank you, as always. And we've told you about our friends 
and uh, we would like you to do us a favor. We'd like you to tell all your friends about us. And save the planet, <laughs> motherfucker. Motherfucker.